got my ticket. 10 o'clock. On Saturday? Saturday, or on uh, Friday. Oh, Friday. Very nice. Look at you getting the well, movies on time. Well, because we're going to be, you know, we're going to be visiting Karen's family in Jersey on Saturday and Sunday. So I wanted to kind of make sure I got it in before the holidays all got away from me. So, yeah, smart. I'll be seeing it at 10 p.m. Thursday night. Ooh, wow. Because I bought my ticket way later than I should have. Uh, but I'm planning to do a Last Jedi rewatch beforehand. I might do that, too. Just to kind of get myself amped up a little bit because I am feeling a little bit flat. Uh, yeah. Although the only now I'm a little more I'm a little more like my my sequel rebuild is like kind of just percolating back there and I'm like I need more I need to know what they're going and you know I was reading the Twitter early reactions which are always effectively worthless because so I was just like it's amazing well, well and and there's a reason for that is because the people who get selected to go to the early screening are people pe- people who you know the 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 marketing company has you know like oh these people are gonna like it. <laughs> Yeah. Like you pick the people who are probably going to give it a good review. Like yeah. that's intentional. And even then some people were like, mm, there's some things I didn't like. And it's like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, if that's shown up in the early problem, like the, the, the early release stuff that can get problematic. So uh, I'm going to try. I'm trying to go in with an open mind. Um, I hope that they can do something that at least I mean, at the end of the day, Star Wars and I have a very particular relationship. And because of that. I'll probably leave the movie theater feeling pretty great, just like I did after Last Jedi, just like I did after Force Awakens. Like, just the fucking music could get to me sometimes. You know what oh, I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just like it's so integrated into like my psyche that it's hard to, you know, it's gonna it's, make me feel things regardless. It's that thing where movies are designed, especially big blockbusters, are designed. The last twenty minutes are designed to change your mind about everything that came before, so that you walk <laughs> out of that theater feeling really like you saw a really fucking good movie. Um, that's a thing they do on purpose. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, like I, I'm probably gonna feel that way too. I mean, I'm just I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling like, oh, what do I even? Why do I care? <laughs> like, what? I don't. Uh, it's like I just don't really like because everybody's. I, I don't know. You hear these people talking about like. Oh, there's so many things we want to get answers on. And I'm like, was Star Wars ever the kind of movie that you went for to get answers? Like, was Star when did since when did Star Wars become a, a, a puzzle box, you know? Also, answers to what? Like, what are we confused about? <laughs> right. Like, that's not what it's like. I can't imagine people went into, like, Return of the Jedi like, oh, I need answers about blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, you just want to go see. You just want to go see how they rescue Han Solo. And, um... You know, you want to see Luke finally get his final confrontation with Darth Vader. Like, that's what I want to see. But this one, I'm like, I guess Ray and Kylo have to fight or kiss or fight kiss. What is uh, what do we go to this movie for? <laughs> one of the Twitter things said, like, movies like weirdly horny. I'm like, oh, God, are we still doing this? Like, <laughs> look, I don't mind. Look, if, of all the directions for Star Wars to go in, I'm more OK with horny <laughs> than um, uh than mystery yeah i mean the only mysteries or answers that people are looking for in this movie are what came out of the trailer for these like you know what i mean like there's nothing when you leave last jedi the only thing left is like well what's the next part of the story but that's not an answer that's just the next part of the story right like the only now there's a mystery of like how's palpatine back well that's only from like the fact that they revealed it in the trailer that he's in it so like right you know and like, also like how in in the context of star wars Space magic. Space magic. That, right. That's it. Space magic and or super science. Yeah. Like, <laughs> spoiler alert. That's what it's going to be. How? Who? What do you mean? How? <laughs> There's no it's 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 
uh, uh, <laughs> how? I mean, we one thing if it was like, you know, you saw the trailer for the next season of Breaking Bad and Hank was alive again. And you're like, what? That's I mean, he's dead. Right. But it, but this is like it's fucking Star Wars. Like people coming back to life all the fucking time. That's what the. Um, but but I think it's it's more like people want like they, they still feel like there's a mystery about Ray's parents. Like, number mm-hmm. one, like it matters. Um, when I think the framing of this, the way they frame this is like the conclusion to all nine movies, the conclusion to the Skywalker story. And it's just like it it then begs the question of like, well, wait, I thought we already got the conclusion to the Skywalker. Like, what is the Skywalker story then if this if Return of the Jedi wasn't it? Yeah, they right. haven't done a, a well, it's I, I think the problem. I Here's what I think happened. I think that the original plan for this trilogy of movies was to kind of be a segue into a further trilogy that would be focused on a new cast and a new kind of direction that Disney could spin off into a longer term thing, mm-hmm. right? Seemed a lot like that's where they were going. But I think at some point they course corrected. And now they're saying like, no, this is it. This is rather than these movies just kind of serving as a middle chapter between the Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker focused first six into probably more like the Ray and Kylo Ren focused next three. Um, they're like, no, this is actually the end of the Skywalker. This is the end of the story, period. Right. And then we're going to do something else in the future. We don't know what, but it won't be big trilogies anymore. Yeah. I definitely and, think you're right about that. And that's why now all of a sudden they're all like, this is it. This is the final chapter. And you're like, I kind of feel like, I mean, doesn't definitely doesn't feel like that's what you were building up to, you know? Yeah. And this is something I don't get too far ahead of myself. Some of the things for sequel for them, but like this is something that the EU struggle with as well, where the old EU is that they, there's about 30 books of like, just like Han and Luke and Leia and Lando and the droids you know, and some new characters, whatever, but like on adventures and some of not all of them are about Han Luke and Leia. There's plenty of other side stories and stuff, but like the main anchor points of like the post return of the Jedi world is obviously based around those characters. And then once their kids kind of come of age, they start doing the, okay, we're going to pass the torch. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many books they kind of said like, this is going to be a, and you can tell they're trying to do it. Like we're going to pass the torch to a new generation of heroes, like about 40 yeah, but 40 I'm more sure. books of them trying to pass the torch. And they only I didn't even read the quote unquote last book where they passed the torch. Like it's called Crucible. I never even picked it up because it was it came out like right when the Disney buy happened. And it's like, well, this shit doesn't even matter anymore. So and I heard it also wasn't very good, but only then where they were like, OK, they're officially retiring in their like, you know, 60s or 70s or whatever. It's Star Wars science. So they say 60s, new 40, whatever. But like the. <laughs> When they were ready to finally pass the torch to the younger, the kids of the heroes, it's already, they're already in their like mid to late thirties. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, I get the struggle with that, but, and I, I agree with you hundred percent. I really think they were trying to pass the torch in these movies to Ray and Poe and Finn and whoever else. Um, but yeah, I, I think that because of the reaction to, because Force Awakens did well and because Last Jedi had the problems that it had with the community and whatever else i think they really did a complete course correction into this movie and 
are going to kind of see how this fares and then probably just spend a lot of time doing side stories. Oh, I, I think that there was some there's been some talk this week in the headlines about them saying like, yeah, we're not we don't think we're going to do the big trilogies anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like this which, is the end. Fine. I mean, I, I think that maybe what we've learned is that um, Star Wars really is those that initial cast of characters. And that's really all that works. And um, unless you can keep doing adventures with them, people aren't really it, it's just tough to make work. And I think a while ago you you mentioned this idea that Star Wars originally was this mashup of all these things that were going on culturally and in the pop culture of the time and all those things got mashed up and out came this like kind of perfect thing that was just this like it was pirates and it was and it was like uh military and it was wizards and it was cowboys and it was all these things and it all just came together um and now it can't work the same way because you can't build that mashup anymore and have it still connect back to the old one, especially because a big element of that mashup is Star Wars. Yeah. It's like if you had a recipe for cookies and one of the ingredients in the cookies was Oreos. <laughs> Which you can do and are delicious. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like the novelty of what Star Wars was, you can't recapture. Or you can't reverse engineer. Correct. And you need to just be able to strike out and say, okay, let's build upon Star Wars, not try and recreate it. Like you said, not try and re-engineer it. Like you can take Star Wars as it is and then build upon it, I think. You have some structural issues for sure, some foundation issues. But as, at least in my opinion, the older you should, like you can get around some of those. Well, but the but the, but the, the big issue that the, the old EU could get around that the current slate of films can't get around is in the old EU, um, you don't have to you don't have to shoot around the fact that Harrison Ford's a thousand years old. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I it sounds small, but I think that's a huge part of it is that these characters on the page can live forever, essentially. But on the screen. Yeah. At some point, you either have to replace the actor, which is hazardous or you have to pass the torch. Essentially, mm -hmm. you get a lot more mileage on the page. Right. I mean, at some point it strains credulity and you're like, OK, at some point these characters have had enough adventures. We have to move on. But they got how many years out of that? Like, yeah, 20, 30. Um, and I think that maybe just this idea of like, oh, we could just keep making Star Wars movies because it's the universe and the setting that people love. And it's like maybe we're finding out that that's not as much what it was. Perhaps I'm still going to I'm going to try to prove that wrong. In my sequel rebuild, I think, and I'm going to try, I'm going to do my sequel rebuild in the context, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't be like, well, if I could just make Han 30 again, it'd be great. Like, I'm going to do it in the context with the pieces that are available at the time in 2012 when Disney purchased mm -hmm. Star Wars. I'm going to try and, I was reading about things today, I need to think about ways of like, not letting the things we've learned over the past seven years affect it too much, but I can't go so far. So, it's going to be what it is, but... I think that there is something innately fun and alluring and bountiful in the Star Wars universe to your earlier point about make, making new stories and the ability to just do that at whim. Um, I just think you got to just do it well. Execution, man. Maybe. And I'm going to do it well. And then they're going to make me in charge of Star Wars, right? <laughs> Senior boy 
Star Wars boy. <laughs> Chief executive of Star Wars. That's the title, right? <laughs> Grand Moff Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, when we meet next, we will both have watched episode nine. Oh, we will. And and we will talk about Star Wars for the last time. Of course. <laughs> As All he right, crumples buddy. up his notes about a sequel, we'll be fine. <laughs> no, we, we, we'll never stop talking about Star Wars. Yeah. So, okay. Well, All right, buddy. Enjoy your viewing experience. You too. I don't know where to start with this other than I fucking hate this movie. I want to punch it in its face. <laughs> Uh, during my second viewing, which I'm glad I had before this episode, uh, I came to me that like, holy shit, this movie was mathematically designed to infuriate Greg. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I, I'm with you because there were parts of it where I was like, yep, nope, this is it. They are, they are actively like just waving a middle finger in the face of the last Jedi, which I'm like, fuck you. That's the best one. Um, but the one problem I have with your statement of it was mathematically designed to piss me off is the assumption that this movie was designed at all. <laughs> this feels like, other than the FX budget, this feels like a student film that was finished two hours before class began. Um, and I want to get out of the way at the beginning of this. Um my complaints about this movie are not really founded in choices this movie made with the characters or the direction of the story. Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't love the idea of like, oh, like, you know, of of the endings certain characters got or the decision to bring back Palpatine. Like, we can quibble about whether or not those are good or interesting choices, But at the end of the day, I think it's kind of silly to be like, oh, that's not my Luke Skywalker. My main problems with this movie is that it is like borderline incomprehensible. I nearly walked out of the. I was actively consider considering walking out of the theater within the first 30 minutes of my showing because I felt like I was watching something that was unfinished. I was having like like an almost panic attack just trying to follow the plot of the first 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. It felt like, um, oh my, uh, yeah, all right, I, I'm getting too far in. I'm getting too far in. <laughs> I, I, uh, that, that's my initial brain dump. <clears throat> I have so much more, but but I don't want to monopolize. Well, I'm definitely going to quibble about some some plot choices. Yeah, I, I, once I again, can. Not, not in the way it's like, it's not what I wanted or expected. It's just purely on the, on the more like, this is just an objectively a stupid thing to do. It makes, not even doesn't like, not doesn't make sense or it's a pothole. More just like, this has no meaning in this film. Yes. Like mechanically, like this is like, why are we doing this? Like, I, I don't, you know, that's, that's like you said, this movie is mechanically terrible. Yes. And I, and, and again, like <laughs> I, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how like I make a point of not trying to have a very like mechanistic or like. Ooh, these are plot holes or, you know, really trying to dissect a movie by how well it follows like the rules of screenwriting. Mm -hmm. But this is a movie that so disregards like just the basics of narrative structure that it's baffling. You know, this is not a situation of like you go to a restaurant and you order their specialty cheeseburger and you get it and it's like on like a sweet brioche bun and it's got onion rings as a topping and some kind of remoulade sauce. And you're like, I don't really think those things belong on a cheeseburger. I didn't like this. 
this is a situation where they don't even you get the cheeseburger and they haven't even cooked the patty. Like it's 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 a failure on fundamental levels. Not just I disagree with some choices on an artistic level. Um, but yeah, no, we're gonna quibble about some of those weird plot decisions. But what's your like high level feeling? What's your brain dump? So when I first came out after my first viewing, I you know obviously thinking critically as I you know. This podcast tends to make me do and I want to in general. I was like, OK, that movie wasn't very good. Like for these reasons, which we already have talked about, like just like mechanically, just like it's just silly. And the first half hour is just like MacGuffin after MacGuffin. And I was just like, you know, but there were some fun parts. And, you know, it's probably the worst of the tril- new trail three trilogy. But, you know, the, the new sequel trilogy. But, uh, you know, uh, it's a mess, but whatever. I'm not happy with it. But I'm not like ripping my hair out. The second viewing, I was ripping my hair out. I think because, you know, I was it's, it's Star Wars night. I'm immersed, whatever. That second viewing, though, I was just like, woof, this movie's bad. And basically, my big things are the whole movie is contrived. The pacing is reckless is the only word I can use to describe it. And three quarters of what happens in it is completely unearned. And some of the writing is like, prequels level bad like some like George Lucas snuck in the room and added a few lines into the script and and no one caught it like that's what a couple lines in the delivery feel like to me in this movie as at a high level also I'm pretty convinced that J.J. Abrams isn't a good director and like can't write after the body of evidence I've seen as I was looking around on his page I'm like why is he making these big movies he has no history of success so I think J.J. Abrams is a competent director but an incompetent writer, um, which ironically is what he's done way more of in his career. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened because like he's done good stuff. And like if you look at like this first Star Trek reboot, that's really well done. Um, and he directed that. But I don't think he wrote that. And he directed Force Awakens. But I don't think he wrote that. And I think that this thing is written like a meth addict. It's just cramming in so much stuff and 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 needlessly and and i understand that maybe they felt like this movie needed to do a lot like i've heard some people say like it feels like they tried to cram two movies worth of plot into one and it certainly does and maybe they felt like that they needed to do that because plot wise the last jedi didn't move much on the board really um it started out with the rebellion on the run And it ended with the rebellion on the run. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I get that. I think it actually did a whole hell of a lot more than than just that. I think that's an unfair criticism of The Last Jedi, but I get it. And they felt like they needed to do more here to kind of get to an end point. But it's still it's overstuffed because it's overstuffed in a lot of the wrong places. Like you, you mentioned the MacGuffins. And I have a list here of the MacGuffins the nested Matroshka doll of MacGuffins in this movie. So the big MacGuffin is the emperor, right? He's the thing that they need to kill. He's not really a character. He doesn't want anything or do anything. He's just sitting in a room somewhere waiting to be killed by our heroes, right? He's the final boss. He's just waiting in his lair for the, for the fight to find the emperor. You need to find the emperor's secret planet, Exegol. To find the secret planet, you need the special Wayfinder MacGuffin. But to find the Wayfinder MacGuffin, you need to find the Death Star, where the the Wayfinder MacGuffin is. 
To find the Death Star, you need to find the special knife <laughs> that not only tells you where the Death Star is, but like where to stand to hold the knife in a special way to find the thing. <laughs> to find the knife, you need to find the ship that Luke apparently was looking for. To find the ship, you need to find the Burning Man planet. It's like, what are we doing here? Especially when one of the main characters already knows where Exegol is. Kylo Ren knows where Exegol is. What? But, ah! <laughs> and then later in the movie, after we have all of this MacGuffining to find the secret planet in in the final in the final thing, uh, all the rebels just show up there. Like, up oh, here we are. <laughs> Okay, I thought this was like the secret hidden planet that we had to spend an entire movie chasing a thousand MacGuffins to find. It's, oh, oofa doofa. Yeah, and <clears throat> this is what was confusing to me because one of my broader topics of discussion for tonight about this film, surpassing certain details, is that it's very obvious that, at least for J.J. Abrams and I presume a good chunk of Lucasfilm, this idea of what you know, this is a big question. This is a big debate around Last Jedi, right? Like, what is Star Wars? Star Wars is blank. Star Wars is this, is not this, isn't this. Whatever you think the answer to that is, which I'm still working through myself as I work on my sequel rebuild, it's never going to be specific things. Like, yes. And it shouldn't be a formula either, unless you're writing like Law and Order. Like, you're looking for themes and feelings and, you know, what it invokes in you, not like specific characters or specific archetypes or specific sequences or interactions. Like it's okay to reference things, but like, Jesus Christ, I just, all they do is like, well, they answer like this. Star Wars is a ragtag group of people against an evil empire. It's kind of specific. Don't you think? Like <laughs> you can't do that over and over again. Like Star Wars is, uh, the emperor. Star Wars is Luke Skywalker. Like it, it's like too specific. You gotta. Star Wars is you know an action adventure story about good and evil. Okay, we can work with it. You know that, right. that's like a thing that you can work it. But like Star Wars is giant world killers. Like it's just you're so specific, and it just feels like you're running through like the hits for no reason. I, I don't know. It yeah. just it's baffling to me why they thought this was a good idea. It, it's it happens in the Force Awakens, and it doesn't happen quite as much in the Last Jedi, and then fucking happens a ton in this movie. So, but on top of all that, Magu chasing MacGuffins is not Star Wars. That's never happened in these movies. Like, if you're gonna, if you're going beat by beat, like, there's very little like MacGuffin chasing in these. Like, I don't. Oh, it just it right. doesn't. It was so bad because not only was it like just mechanically bad, it just felt like a video. Like, you know, when you're playing a video game with The Witcher and you get like four quests and you start getting mixed up in your head and you're like, oh, I gotta go over here and do this, and then I. But wait, if I go over there, I gotta pick up this other thing and. Ooh, there's some like, you know, uh, other Witcher school gear here. I'll give, and like it had this like convoluted thing. Where you're like, ah, eh, it doesn't matter. It's all just going to the same place anyway. Like it, it just was so such a weird decision. And I don't understand, except that it's just fucking lazy. Well, I think that I mean, you're right. The video game analogy is perplexing because it is it's it's a video game is often structured with, you know, the final goal from the first scene and the video game is really just putting a bunch of contrived obstacles in your way before you can get to the boss fight. It's, you know, I have to do this and I have to get the key card to this door. But in order to get the key card to this door, I have to go and kill this boss who's holding the key card to that door. And then I have to solve this block puzzle. And it's all just 
Okay, just to get you one more little, you know, click. Um, and I think the difference is it's the difference between story and plot. This movie has a shit ton of plot, but no story. You know, if, if, if you if you boil down, I mean, yeah, what is Star Wars? At, at, at the biggest level, Star Wars is stories, right? right. Each, each movie is a story and each trilogy has had a macro story. And you can zoom out on those things and you can say episode four is the story of a farm boy who becomes a heroic knight, right? And, 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 you know, he, he comes from nothing and achieves, you know, a great victory. Okay. That's the story of episode four and blown out. The story of the original trilogy is really about how that farm boy, you know, goes from, you know, farm boy to knight to, you know, savior of the galaxy, you know, by going on a personal journey and, you know, you know, dealing with his, his personal demons. Okay. That's it. What is the story of the rise of Skywalker? Ray kills the emperor. What yeah. did we, you know what I mean? Like, how would you, it's the only thing I could say, you know, I could say is like, you know, uh, Ray picks up the mantle of the Skywalker tradition or something like big and as a passing of the torch. Right. But like, it doesn't, if, okay, let's even say that it did that, but it doesn't do it well. <laughs> But the movie, but that's the thing is that the, and this is a problem of the larger trilogy, is what does Rey want and what does Kylo Ren want? The movies never really figure that out. And as a result, they just get kind of pushed around by the plot. You yeah. know, like there's even a moment in this movie where, and again, because this movie can't take more than 10 seconds to look at any particular thing or let a moment land or let you think about anything where when Rey learns that she is the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine, um, she basically puts herself into exile like Luke. And this could be an important moment. And this could have been the the entire second act of the movie could have been her going into exile and um, eventually changing her mind about it. But instead, it's one scene. That almost is there just so they can do a callback joke to not even a joke, a callback dig on The Last Jedi. Right. And she never gets to make any real choices and she never gets to have any real like character growth. Because honestly, when she shot the lightning at the transport and she thought she killed Chewie, although I don't know how anybody in the audience believed that was going to be a thing. But like for a second there, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting, you know this is, you know, now all of a sudden there's a new wrinkle to Ray where all of a sudden she is very powerful, but she realizes that um, maybe she can't control her powers and maybe she's more dangerous than she thinks she is. And, you know, and in, and in a way that's different than the, ooh, I might, my, my eyes might momentarily turn red when I go a little dark side for a minute, you know, but like, that, I was like, oh, man, that, that actually might be an interesting direction. And then 30 seconds, they were like, just kidding. Don't worry. Psych. Chewie's fine. <laughs> there was yeah. another ship. Um, and that scene was legitimately like, and this is one of my only positives in this movie, is that once again, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, I, I think did a really good job. Mm -hmm. It makes it particularly frustrating that it's such a waste. Because mm -hmm. like when she, when her reaction to that and that sequence, and then when she screams out Chewie, like, it's really good. It's heart wrenching, right? Yeah. 
And then it's just like, nah, fuck it, never mind. Nope, nope, it's fine. And also the lightning isn't like, <clears throat> by the way, because because we're dumb and we don't and we think Star Wars is just like a weird D&D manual of who has access to what powers at what level and what blood and it all is based on what bloodline you are, right. you know, as opposed to, yeah, look, force lightning is a thing. And she, you know, instead, that's a tease of how she's actually a Palpatine instead of just like, yeah, hey, the force is crazy. And, you know, and and sometimes bad shit happens if you're not in control, you know, but, you know, yeah, Um it was like it was a chicken. Like, remember, the emperor uses lightning. It's yeah. Like, oh, my God. Kill me. Like, and, and in case you didn't remember that from the other movies, we made sure to put a whole lot of lightning on Exegol when you meet him. <laughs> just in case you all forgot. Lightning means emperor. Oh, <sighs> uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's just. And like uh, overplotted is a good way to describe this movie. And let's like let's listen. Sometimes you need, you need a MacGuffin. Like, I don't know. Let's do a crazy idea, like a map. Yes. To to a to a character that we can't find. Yes. You know, like we did in The Force Awakens. <laughs> oh, and we did in this movie too. Like, come on. Like, it's just so lazy. And and like, listen, I read a lot of fantasy, a lot of science fiction, watch a lot of fantasy science fiction. You always need a good MacGuffin here or there. But you do it in the service of something bigger, not the service of the MacGuffin itself. Right. And then MacGuffin only leads you to the next MacGuffin. Right. And you don't need 15 and then in the quote-unquote epic conclusion to to nine movies it shouldn't be the anchor of the movie it should be something you do to give the character something to do to demonstrate something their growth their personality their event you know uh, oh god it's just it's just such a bizarre choice because like i said it's not it's not what i think of when i think of star wars i don't think of a bunch of people going around picking up different trinkets yeah, you know what those movies and, and and the weird thing about it is there are there is a relatively successful trilogy of movies that are basically big nested MacGuffin hunts. Um, interestingly enough, starring Harrison Ford. Interestingly enough, produced by George Lucas. It's called Indiana Jones, and <laughs> those work because it's Indiana Jones and a sidekick here or there, and the villain are all racing to capture one or two or three MacGuffins. You know, sometimes it's first we got to find the key to the tomb that's going to help us, you know, and, and but it's all in service of um, we, you know, we know what the what the main MacGuffin is and how we get there. And it's it's set in a world of like 1930s archaeology, right, where and and your character is an archaeologist and he can explain the MacGuffins, but here it's just like this big fantasy world where everything is made up. Like in Indiana Jones, it's things like we're looking for the Ark of the Covenant. You have heard of that. Right. And to find it, we have to go to Egypt. You know Egypt. It's this place, you know, and it it's um and it's a smaller cast and it, it's there's a lot of reasons they're different movies, but it is possible to do it in a way that's fun and interesting and makes sense but not in a star wars movie and especially not in a star wars movie that has this much to do that we're gonna waste time explaining the various macguffins oh wait i also forgot about the macguffin of the special droid doctor who can get the information out of c-3po's head right and then the um uh pose ex-girlfriend sexy rocketeer um 
gives him a, another secret MacGuffin that just helps them get on board a ship, I guess. I don't even remember that one. The, the magical coin that it's like the, fits the into the a special order s- captain's disc. Yeah. Special fits into a special slot on their spaceship. It's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Um, but every minute you spend explaining one of these MacGuffins and explaining where it is and what we have to do to get it is a minute you don't get to spend helping me understand what this plot has to do with Ray or Kylo mm-hmm. or the other characters who we've had completely given up on at this point. Right. And so you've got this problem, which we've laid out big crux of the issue and then on top of that you have all these other issues like people keep using the word uh fan service yes and i think they're conflating it with stupid things <laughs> uh like because there's and i mean i'm gonna say in this context here's gonna be my definition of fan service that I, I thought of in this discussion and where i'm gonna stick to from here on out fan service is things done for the fans that don't matter to the characters in the movie Right. Example, Chewbacca's medal. Yes. No one in these movies ever references his medals fucking ever. Han's dice. No one cares. Like, I didn't even, I'm one of the biggest Star Wars fans out there. I did not know it was a thing. I don't know that it was a thing, but at least in the context of, of The Last Jedi, those dice did symbolize something between the characters. Sure. You know, um, whereas the medal for Chewie had nothing to do with anything. It was just like, oh, here's this. Here's this, I guess. Okay, great. Well, you it's know that thing like- that fans always complain about in the comments on Reddit, right? Oh, that, you know, why didn't Chewbacca get a medal? Well, here's his medal, and it's going to be tied to this moment that now it kind of feels a lot more, you know, a moment that was kind of nice now feels diminished because you did this stupid fucking thing to appeal to a bunch of, like, yeah, to just right. for fan quote unquote fan service. And you're paying oh, off things so bad. You're paying off things that you didn't set up, right? Because the movie could have set up something about that metal that would have make made the payoff mean something in some way. I don't know what it is, but you could have. But then the movie right. also you could even- sets up other things that it never pays off. Like very early in the movie, when they all think they're gonna die, Finn has something he has to tell Ray. You know the kind of thing you you tell somebody right before you die, which is always "I love you," right? It's never some like "Oh, I have powers." Black dead. Yeah, no, that's not how that works. Um, they set that up once, and then they keep coming back to it several times as a source of tension between Finn and Poe, and then just never resolve it. Just never go back to that. What the fuck, guys? Yeah, it's like we can we can imply what he wanted to tell her, but they don't do it in the movie. So what's the point? Right. And it doesn't it, it never pays off. It never pays off for anything. It's, you know, I mean, if the payoff was as as Abrams has apparently said in an interview that it was, oh, it's that he's actually force sensitive. Mm-hmm. The payoff would be somewhere down the line. That information would have been important to Ray. Right. That she knows, you know, she either figures it out or something and then she uses that to overcome something the same way that the movie actually does well, where they do the setup of like the weird uh, Kylo Ray connection, like they figure out they can move physical objects Mm -hmm. and they use that in the climax for the lightsaber pass. And you're like, aha, set up, payoff. Right. Right. (laughs) We set it up. They set it up twice, you know. And then the third time is the payoff. And, you know, like if there had been some moment later on where um, 
like Finn and Ray need to like communicate through force telepathy to, you know, coordinate some kind of attack. Great. We did it. We set it up. We paid it off. But instead, it's just like, eh, set it up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> Make sure Chewie gets that medal, though. <sighs> and like your point about payoff is so important here because nothing lands in this movie. No. Outside of some of the Ray and Kylo stuff, just because mostly because of their performances and the fact that we spent the, the most time with those two characters yeah. throughout these three movies. I Nothing with Palpatine feels like a good payoff because he's introduced in the fucking crawl. All the new characters and new relationships that are introduced all feel forced and like afterthoughts and unnecessary. Like we don't need Poe's ex-girlfriend and other ex-stormtrooper and all these different people to show up when they don't. They're barely important to anything or anybody in the film. Like like you said, Poe and Finn are basically have very little payoff in this movie about anything. I mean, they have screen time. But I don't feel like we're, we've done anything new. Like, they win battles, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, I want to go back to Palpatine for a minute. And then I want to talk about Finn's girlfriend. Because, oh boy, that's something that's uh, been eating at me. But Palpatine fucking sucks. He's always sucked. He's just been this... I mean, he's just a definition of cartoonishly evil character. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no depth there. There's nothing interesting about him. I mean, yeah, you know, Ian McDermott, like it's a he's fun to watch. Right. Yeah. He, you know, the voice is great. And and, you know, to see this really just super scenery chewing, cackling villain is fun. But he's never really been a character, you know, like who has motivations and complexity like Darth Vader. Good villain. The Emperor, kind of a joke, you know, mm-hmm. The Emperor really just serves as he's almost just a symbolic representation of evil. Right. Right. So when Darth Vader literally does the look back and forth between the symbolic representation of evil and the symbolic representation of good, you get it, you know? Yeah. Um. So he's to, he pays he pays off nothing. You know, there's no, no. there's nothing there. Um. But Finn's like, girlfriend. In general, in general, there's no payoff there. I'm really, I'm really upset about this because uh-huh. it's just like in general, there's nothing there. But if you're gonna do it, like commit, and it was just like they, someone must come up with this idea like a year and a half ago, and they're like, oh, you know, it'd be cool. If we brought back Palpatine. Yeah, yeah, that we'll do it. It's just like if you're gonna make that choice, you should have made that choice in 2012 when you're starting this show and say this is gonna be the crux of this trilogy. That like, and even though I think that for me that's a stupid decision because it makes the end of Return of the Jedi feel a lot less powerful. Yep. But if you're going to do it, at least tease it out and yep. provide something and do do anything. But it just is so unearned. And like, like that's how the arcs for a lot of characters are in these movies. Like a lot of the original characters, you know, in the, in both the original trilogy and in the prequels, like the droids are characters Yep. in the movie. They aren't props. And in these three movies, they're props. And I don't know why it bothers me so much. I think it's because in the ODU, like, the, the droids always had a role to play. Almost every book, they did something. They were part of a team, part of a group that did something, and they were there just like Chewie does. Like, you know, those are the good things that use those characters well because they're part of the team. That's part of – to me, that's part of Star Wars is like it's not just one hero. It's a group of people mm-hmm. and people like things. And so like 3PO's stuff in this movie, it's like, 
okay, some of it's kind of interesting, but he wasn't in the previous two movies at all. So, like, why are we doing this now? Like, all of a sudden, right. they're like, oh, my friends. I'm like, how long have you known these people for yeah. again? Number like, one, <laughs> we we haven't seen any of that, like, oh, these are my friends. Like, if he was saying that about, like, Han and Luke and Leia, yeah, get that. But he's saying it about Finn and Poe and Ray when not only have we really not seen a ton of their interaction in these movies, but also they've just spent all of their time with him either actively talking shit on him or completely ignoring him. Right. It just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't. So so they want to have this emotional moment where he's going to like he's basically, you know, sacrificing his life to progress the mission. But they didn't set it up at all. And even in the moment, the other characters don't really seem to react to it. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, pass. Um, yeah, I and, and, and like R2-D2 doesn't even have a role in fucking any of these movies, no. which is stupid because he's got a major role in the previous ones. I just I'm just so I'm just so confused because on one hand, you've got all this weird, very specific, like mimicking and callbacks and fan service. And then on the other hand, you have just a complete disregard of like established characters and, and plots like, you know. They seem to kind of can't decide if they want to make Chewbacca a prop or make him a character throughout these three movies. He's not really in Last Jedi much at all. He's got some, you know, stuff with the Porgs. Mm-hmm. Fine. You know, a little more to do in Force Awakens just because he's with Han. Mm-hmm. And this one, they give him more to do. So it's just kind of like, just once again, like, pick which direction. If you want to just have the old characters be side characters that are just kind of there, present, okay, that's fine. But, like, you can't jerk us back and forth when you're trying, when you're trying to, like, make a moment happen and yes. check a box, right? <sighs> yeah. Uh, and again, completely unnecessary. Like, there's no reason that you have to do this whole long thing of, oh, C-3PO, we need to do some, we need to go find a droid mechanic in order to get the, like, it. this movie just, it's making problems for itself. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't need to do any of that. You just left C-3PO at home and given some more time to the set, to the core characters and cut out a lot of these MacGuffins and give a lot, everything more time to breathe. I, yeah. It just again. I, mean, I definitely agree that that what you said and I had said this felt the same about earlier. Like this feels like two movies shoved into one, and it feels like this is a direct sequel of The Force Awakens. It feels like Abrams eight and nine slammed into one movie. Yes, which contributes to this like the pacing and the frantic feel. And like there was a little bit of a time in my first viewing where I was like, "Ooh, I kind of like the franticness of this," but then I was like, nah, "Actually, I don't like this." That was just like a momentary passing thing. Like I could see a movie where we meet you like. Almost like you you go so overboard on MacGuffins that it, it feels so frantic that like it's almost a commentary on the idea. But that's not what was done here. And that's yeah, not I'm, I think the place it's is not necessarily the place to do that. But right. Well, like so, for example, when you think about a movie like Infinity War, that that movie has a very kind of breakneck pace. It's almost all happening in real time. Right. Mm-hmm. But it works because they know where they're beginning. They know where they're going to end. And they know the beats they want to have happen in the meantime. And it's a relatively simple um, chain of events. There are a couple MacGuffins on Earth that Thanos wants. If he gets them, we're all fucked. So the plan is protect the MacGuffins, you know, and everything just unfolds. Rise of Skywalker has like eight levels of complexity built into that. And so you don't get a feeling of the frantic editing doesn't create a feeling of urgency the way that the structure of Infinity War does. It just creates a sense of confusion because you don't get a chance to think about what any of this means or process. Okay, where are they in the steps of their journey? You know, okay, 
they need to, you know, whereas like in Infinity where you're like, okay, he needs to get these last two or three stones. Oh, he just got one, one down, two to go, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's like, okay, we got this thing and then, and then when we get that thing, we find out the other six steps we need to get to the, you know, it's, ugh. Yeah. Um, uh, I have another complaint, major complaint. This is, goes back to Abram's writing and this is getting a little more plot, plot, you know, relevant. But like one of the things that I hate about this movie and also The Force Awakens and therefore kind of now the whole sequel trilogy, fortunately, is that – and it happens a little bit in, in Last Night 2. is like one of the things that the original trilogy did very well was there's a lot of – there's a, a slight scaling up of things as they go. You know, like in the first movie, they fight the TIE fighters a lot. And then in the second movie, they begin to kind of tangle with some of the Star Destroyers. And then the third movie, you've got the Death Stars there, sort of like more larger things. But like, you know, and then the third movie, you actually see a big capital ship battle. And one of those ships is a Super Star Destroyer. And it's like, holy shit, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. They in these movies, they have no sense of like restraint or scale to providing any like grounding to particularly the ships, but just anything that's going on in the conflict. Like, all right, in the first movie, we're going to make a Death Star, but it's a whole actual size of a planet and it's going to blow up multiple planets at once oh and we're going to make like even stronger tie fighters and even stronger star destroyers okay and the second one we're going to have an even bigger star destroyer show up and then after that an even bigger one and then in the third movie guess what there's gonna be a thousand star destroyers and they're all death stars it's just like who it's it's like a fucking three-year-old wrote that like what (laughs) like and people complain about the old eu saying it was like super weapon of the week but like at least in those contexts, you have like a whole book or like multiple books building up to like, okay, there's these, you know, it makes sense. Palpatine kind of pursued this like world killing weapon. Maybe there was other other projects he was working on that weren't quite done, but could show up later and they fall into the wrong hands or whatever. You know, it's like, okay, but it's like some of them are pretty dumb, but like it just feels so absurd and just like almost to the point. Of, it's like it's like comical and it's just like, what? Oh, God, it's just so it's like, it was so lazy, like. Oof. And and the 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 fleet of ultra mega star destroyers in this really creates a whole lot of dumb questions that I shouldn't have to ask. But because of the natures of this, the nature of these movies, now I'm asking them like, how how did they build these? Who built these? What is going on in Exegol? Because as far as I can see, it's like one building, right? Yeah, a cool looking building for sure. This weird kind of inverted pyramid you know like cool design and then there's stuff underground and you're like okay cool i guess and there's a bunch of like sith dudes whatever the fuck that is all hanging out there but it's like are they building these things out of what materials because this is a secret planet right you're not shipping parts in from coruscant this is the secret planet that you need a one of two special you know sith artifacts to even find and then you have to navigate some kind of weird space storm that's never explained to get there um who's building these things who's manning these things and then one of them apparently got off planet so that it could blow up um uh space japan but (laughs) it's and then they all need a special radio tower to just get off the planet. Like, point your ship away from the planet, and you're. Yeah, oh God, that thing was so. That like, McGuffin was particularly really? great. It's like the main antenna. Like, yeah, one and antenna. Then, oh, they don't need to. They can do it from any ship. And it's like, okay, why? Like, <laughs> well, I, I, uh, you can't get off the planet. Like, 
even if they just given some milder, more a, a little bit more of an explanation of like, so is does, is Exegol like at the center of like a nebula or something? And that's sort of what's implied, I guess. It, but 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 then all you need to say is it's at the center of this kind of nebula, and navigation systems don't work in the nebula. So you need to have some special MacGuffins to get on and off the planet. Okay. I get it. But instead, it's just like, it's in the unknown territory. What? Uh, but how do they get, I mean, like, how do they build a thousand Star Destroyers in 30 years? What? It's just. Yeah. And like, these, I know they're like in the in the new EU. I know they're trying to like lay little breadcrumbs at like, oh, the emperor was fascinated with the unknown regions. And he's, you know, there's res- like resources kind of disappearing and going out there. And it's like, okay, fine. But like. Show us in the movies. I shouldn't like, have to read a book to understand the movie. Correct. Correct. And like, you know, I can think of it right off the top of my head right now. Be a cool scene. Is it if they like at some point in their travels, you know, they end up they're chasing one of these goddamn clues or MacGuffins and they're like, whoa, like this entire planet has been gutted for its natural resources. Like, yes. Where did it go? Cool. Breadcrumb laid. Awesome. And then you know what? It went there. Cool. Like, there's just so many little things you can do to just make it feel more interesting. And it's just like that stuff looked there's a lot of really cool visual moments in this in this movie. That's something I mean, Abrams can direct some very some awesome visual moments, but not as awesome as some of Ryan Johnson's. But, you know, it's not like here nor there. It looks so stupid seeing like a thousand Star Destroyers lined up tip to tip in straight rows on this, like coming out of the ocean planet. And it's also really dumb is in my second watch through. Um, second viewing every shot they show on Exegol after those the Star Destroyers are coming out or show up they show the fucking radio tower in it like in the bottom right hand corner like <laughs> as if they're trying to like show it's gonna be important but you don't know it's important until way towards the end of the movie when they actually call it out and show what it is you know I'm like that's so dumb like once again that's a very video game thing to do yeah like this is the target this thing this thing sticking over here it's important it's not built into the scenery it looks destroyable you can you can get to it right and then they don't even do use it anyway like (laughs) and the emperor who's had several of his projects fall apart because of well uh we've got one one vulnerability that's completely undefended and could easily be wiped out by one or more small ships (laughs) like uh yeah now i mean i know guys look i know they found the exhaust port on the death star but this time i don't think they're gonna find the antenna and look, I understand they found the shield generator on the, the forest moon of Endor. And yeah, that thing was really easy to blow up. But I don't think, I think this one, this one's going to be fine. <laughs> this single point of failure is going to be fine. I, and again, I know that we're getting into these little things of like plot holy things. And like, what was the emperor's plan in all of this? Like what? What was his plan? Because at the beginning, he tells Kylo Ren to kill Rey. But then Rey gets to his plan. He's like, it was my plan all along. You'll kill me and become the Empress. And then it's like, then she kills him, but doesn't become (laughs) the Empress because she did it with two lightsaber lightning counter instead of just slicing him. That makes a difference somehow, I guess. Nope. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, But like, I know we're doing that. And I, I, I would like to be talking about like evaluating this movie on its own terms of these are the themes and the story it was trying to tell and did it do that successfully or not. But I don't even know what the themes in the story were supposed to be. And to me, this movie is entirely a plot-based movie. 
This movie doesn't give a shit about themes. It doesn't give a shit about characters. What it wants to do is it wants to be like an action movie or a mystery movie where it's just about the plot beats and um, making, you know, making things happen. And because that's the movie this wants to be, I feel okay just saying like, yeah, you want it to be a plot-driven spectacle movie. Well, guess what, dude? Your plot sucked and your spectacle sucked. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault a, a you know a, a kung fu movie for just being. Hey, this is just a this the whole story here is just a very thin excuse to get me from fight scene to fight scene. I'm not gonna criticize it on those grounds um, because that's not what a kung fu movie is. It's like. Yeah, no, we we know this is just about the fight scenes and giving you a a just thin enough premise to move from one to the other. But if those fight scenes suck and the story is incomprehensible or just completely illogical, you fail. And this movie, I think it's incredibly disappointing that this movie didn't even try to deal with character or themes. But the fact that even if this was just like, you know what, fuck it, we're just going to be a balls to the wall Star Wars movies, all pew, pew, pew all the time. It sucked at that. Yeah, I would agree. Most of the action scenes were not that interesting. Maybe some of Ray and Kylo's scenes together when they're fighting each other or fighting in, on Exegol, like a little more interesting, but still has, holds nothing to the fight scene in Last Jedi on against the Imperial Guards Ooh. or Snoke's Guards or whatever. The throne room fight. Yeah. I mean, I do like some of the like how and why, like, oh, we're a dyad in the force. Like, what the fuck garbage? Like, I I was like, wait, what? Like, once again, like we were told in eight that Snoke built this bond between them. Okay, maybe that's like a thing he did. And I don't need to be fully explained because that's not really how Star Wars and the force typically works. But just felt like it was such a a crux of the movie. Right. And like Palpatine fully coming back. Which, granted, was a really cool, like, sequence. Yeah. Like, when as he's, like, getting life back and his eyes turn yellow, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, although I didn't um, like how he also magically got a new outfit as yeah, a result. Yeah, that, that was dumb. but That was dumb. Um, but uh, I just, I, like, the space battle at the end wasn't fun. A, it no. wasn't in space. Once again, like, just put your fucking battles in space. Give us a little more, like, interesting stuff happening. It's just, it's so repetitive of just, like, the same shots over and over again. I'm just like people getting shot down and like you know they don't spend long enough doing any one thing to actually make the action fun or important yeah and at first it's like this idea of oh they're gonna land on the star destroyer and have like a ground battle on the surface of the star destroyer i'm like that's that's a cool idea that's not something i've really seen before like cool let's see what happens there and all they do with it is they might as well just be you know on some base somewhere yeah. They never play with the fact that they're actually on the Star Destroyer. Like, it would be kind of cool if, you know, the Star Destroyer would actually start to, like, tilt and list. And then, like, the, the you know, the, the physics of the battle would change as a result. Like, that would have mm-hmm. been really neat. But, no, they didn't do any of that. Um, and in that battle, um, they go through so many points in that battle as it's trying to parallel what's going on on the surface of... Our heroes are winning. Oh, now they're losing. And now they're winning. And now they're losing. But one, there's like too, too many reversals in that where you just kind of lose track and stop caring. But also the direction of the action is so incompetent that the only way I can tell who's winning and who's losing is 
Poe almost looks at the camera and says, now we're winning. <laughs> you know, because in so I happen to catch um, just uh, um, like, yeah, I saw the movie on Friday and then we were in New Jersey on Saturday and uh, I happened to just be flipping through the channels in the hotel and like Rogue One was on TBS or something. And it was right at the end, you know, right during the big climactic battle in Rogue One. And I'm watching it and you can see the ebb and flow of that battle because I had the sound turn real down, down real low because Karen and Charlotte were sleeping. So I'm basically watching it on mute and I'm like, but you can still sense the ebb and flow of the battle and um you know when our heroes are in trouble versus when things are looking hopeful you can just tell it by what's going on on screen and the way it's presented this uh, rise of skywalker just couldn't do it just could no. not give me it it, would, it had to narrate it for me through poe like oh things aren't looking good and i'm like why you guys were just doing fine before now you're just not doing good all right the to go back to what you said about like themes and trying to pull them out, I'm trying. I was racking my brain here, trying to figure out like what what are the themes here. So potentially it's you know trying to be a mirror for you know this, okay maybe Star Wars is a redemption story and you know we re- we redeem Ben Solo in this movie and it's well acted and the sequences have emotion because I think their just performances are very strong. But there's really no good like reason why like you don't really feel it past that like okay so Leia kind of sacrifices herself to reach out to him. And then he has sort of like an internal dialogue with his memory, which is in the form of Harrison Ford, which was surprising, by the way. I was yeah. pretty surprised by that. And, uh, I was, was like, oh, how much they pay him to him in this movie again. Yeah, come in for a day. Yeah. No, you don't need to cut your hair. It's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, and just like, once again, like, this is where it felt like a really big turn from Last Jedi. Because the what I took away from Last Jedi is we had the moment of like... How many times have we seen Kylo stick out his hand to Rey at this point? Yes. Like four times. And every time she says no, we don't need to see it three more times. Like the moment they were closest to doing it was when they killed Snoke. That was a very tense moment. Yes. I'm like, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. She said no. They fought. The door is closed to redemption. And in this movie, it's like, eh, maybe not. Well, yeah, I, 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 I'm still not settled on whether or not I think he could be like re- believably redeemed after the end of Last Jedi. I, I'm, I'm not sold if, but even let's say he could be, this movie doesn't do a good job of answering like, okay, what was different about this time? Right. You know, what What about this particular moment is when he's he, he finally comes around? And I think you could have, instead of this like, oh, she healed him, but what about that moment? Was it, was there something in the, in her transferring some of her life force to him that like healed his soul as well as his body? Or was it something, or was it a moment of this was the first time anyone has been kind to him in a very long time and it's made him reconsider things? Or was it that this was, and I think I don't, you could have made the symbol of the symbolism of this work a little bit more because there was all this talk about like he keeps offering her his hand symbolizing come with me to the dark side she keeps saying no well now she has offered him her hand and he says yes and like there could be something there but the movie doesn't bother going for it it's just like oh she like healed him and then he finally had second thoughts but this time they were the right second thoughts you know, it's it's just he's been going back and forth this entire trilogy 
And then for him to finally make a decision, I need a lot more of an understanding of like, what was it about this time that changed your mind? Yeah. And I think my guess is that maybe there was more between him and Leia in this movie, or at least in Abrams, if, if Abrams is making eight, nine, something more there, because like there is an interesting, you know, you have that interesting thread of like, he doesn't pull the trigger in Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I think if we would have seen a little more agonizing surrounding, you know, his killing of Han. And then in this movie, m- more there, I mean, obviously they, they, you know, their hands are a little tied with giving Leia more of a role. But I, I agree completely. I, th- I think there's something there. You could have gotten there. I think that the way I interpreted the end of The Last Jedi was just like, he is fully consumed by rage at this point. And I'm not saying he couldn't come back from it, but this movie didn't do enough to earn no, it for it me. It's still, it's still like, it. I'll say it landed like like um, in the presentation. Like those moment, moments made me feel something, but thinking about it for five minutes makes it feel very unearned. It I, I th- it made me feel something, but only the barest little spark of... It's almost... I don't know if it made me feel something or just made me realize, oh, this is the part where maybe you could feel something. <laughs> right. But I, I think that... And again, it's something this movie sets up, but doesn't pay off. Because in the very first scene when he's like having his little powwow with the Emperor... Um, And the emperor basically says, like, oh, every voice you've heard in your head has been me all along. And if then you could say that, well, a lot of his motivations up until this point have been manipulations by Palpatine. And the reason he, you know, he felt he had to kill everyone associated with his past, et cetera, et cetera, is because Palpatine has been manipulating him this whole time. And now he has this moment of reevaluating all of his decisions and his motivations. And, you know, oh, I thought I was independent. Maybe I'm not. What does that mean? And maybe that's a part of his transformation. But the movie's like, nah, we're not really going to pay that off. We're just going to have him turn later because reasons. Yeah. I think one of the I think I can safely say that at least for me one of the larger themes of Star Wars in general is the power of family and love. And I think that the original trilogy is obviously an example of that, you know, a son's love for his father, sacrifice for his father leads to his redemption and then his own sacrifice to save his son's life. Even the love among friends, you know, and loyalty among friends, you know, between the larger cast helps to get them through the jams that they're in and defeat this much stronger force. On the flip side, in the pre- in the prequels, you can see sort of like the 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 negative power of love and and family that it can be it can be obsessive. It can be, uh, you know, drive you to do cruel, terrible things in the name of saving people, maybe. <laughs> We'll just on leave paper, that vague yes. for now. How, however well the prequels executed on that is obviously a matter for debate, but sure. conceptually, that's what they were going for. Right. And there's also a, there's a similar storyline in a Expanded Universe tale, which is very – it's a little too much, but um, Han and Leia's son has a vision of his daughter and wife dying, and it drives him down a dark path. Uh Interestingly, one that doesn't end in redemption, which I kind of thought is where they were going with this a little bit. Uh, There's some notes lifted there. But so I think in this movie, the goal, I think, of this movie was to say, you know, the power of family and, you know, family and love is redemptive. 
but it's also, you know, it expands to, you know, being incorporated into a family or something like adopting a family because she takes on the Skywalker name and they make all these really, really ham-fisted like, we're going to do it together, friends. Like, once again, stuff that doesn't really feel Star Warsy to me because the writing is just really bad. So like, so bad. But so if that's what you're trying to go for, maybe. But once again, there's really no because of how poorly it executed, it doesn't earn those that, those themes at all in these three movies. No. Well, and there there are no overarching themes of these three movies. And I think that um, it's very clear that their lack of an overarching plan really hurt them here. Um, yeah, I mean, it is in my mind, and brace yourself, Greg, I think that overall from a macro level, the sequels are a bigger failure than the prequels. I think the prequels are individually worse movies, although with some revenge on uh, this new one might give someone run for their money. But I think the the broader story and themes it tries to tell are much more obvious. And it does something, it takes a different approach to Star Wars that sometimes isn't always good, but at least it's different and it kind of commits to the difference. Where this can't decide what the hell it wants to do. I I so I know this is painting you, so I'm no, sorry. No, uh, look, I I think the I think the prequels are objectively bad, um, because well, for a number of reasons that you know smarter people than I am have pointed out. Um, but I think I think the prequels and the sequels are bad in very different ways. Um. I think they are both failures in effective storytelling. Um, the The prequels are all bad movies um, on their own. And I would also argue that the overarching story is suboptimal. The sequels, I think that one of their big failings is, yeah, they don't add up to anything. There's no and it's it's clear that they they never there isn't even something that they want to add up to, but just don't quite do. They don't quite nail it. Um Right. And that's where, like, with the prequels, like, I know what they're trying to add to. They don't always deliver on it because the execution is poor. Right. It's Well, I would say that the the prequels are overthought. The sequels are underthought. Probably fair. You know what I mean? Like, um, the prequels, in many ways, go way out of their way to over-explain and, you know, put a tidy bow on every little thing and make sure every little thing is tied in and referenced and all of that and also over explaining things and um just way too much dialogue to explain simple ideas um spending 20 minutes to do something on screen that very well could have been explained with a line of dialogue <laughs> elsewhere uh the senate gave you know the Senate gave the Chancellor emergency powers. Oh, that sucks. All right, let's continue our adventure instead of, oh, no, let's watch everyone vote about it. Um, it's and it, yeah, over explained, overthought, overplanned. Whereas this, it just feels like they did Force Awakens and we're like, OK, we're setting the stage. And we're also very clearly our goal here is to pass the torch of Star Wars to a new generation of characters to set up our long-running future Star Wars franchise, which probably won't even be really trilogy-focused. It's just going to be an ongoing series of movies, and you're just going to come back every two years to see what happens next. And that really seemed like the plan. And then somewhere between The Last Jedi and as we record this, all of a sudden Disney was like, no, 
This is the end of the Skywalker saga, which is totally a thing. You all remember us talking about the Skywalker saga, right? Well, that's right. You remember it. It's definitely not something we just invented for the marketing of this movie. Um, This is the end of that. Get it? Skywalker saga. This is the end of it. Um, Because I don't think they had a... they're, They're now, with this movie, trying to act like this was supposed to be the grand finale of the first six movies, which I don't think was ever the plan. The plan was to shift from this trilogy focus, which really I don't think was ever like some grand overarching plan of Star Wars is made of trilogies. It's just that the first one was called episode four. And if you want to do prequels, well, that has to be three movies that end in number three, right? Because we already committed to this numbering. Um, so then this idea of like, oh, well, seven, eight, nine, that's a trilogy and it's gonna, ugh, silliness. But um, I think they knew going into this that the only way they were going to get people to care about this movie is if they tried to make it like, oh, shit, nobody really cares about Ray and Finn and Poe. Um, people care about the the original characters. So we have to make this the final chapter of their story, as opposed to this is really the first chapter of the new character story. I've got, I've gone on a tangent. (laughs) No, no, you're, you're right. Like it's exactly what it is. And, you know, having to say that, I mean, it just sucks because much like the prequels, we're stuck with this now. And unfortunately, you know, I got a little excited when they, you know, when it seemed like they were going to be integrating their new expanded universe more tightly with the rest of the stories, and it was going to be more of a unified approach. And a, they've they've clearly shown that's not the case because one of the things I've read was that you know there's a lot bunch of you know now canon comics about Poe, and there's nothing about him being a a spice you know smuggler in there, spice runner anywhere in there. It really just felt like oh, we need to make him more like Han Solo. Yeah, he was a spice runner. Got it. Good. Cool. Move on. Yeah. No reason to do that. Poe was a great character because he had he has some of the Han Solo archetype, but also not because he's like a, he's a committed member of this cause. Yeah. He's, and now you're kind of lessening that a little bit, but like, oh, well, not always, though. Like, but also what this again, this movie and all the things it throws out for no apparent fucking reason, like all of a sudden Poe, oh, we're hinting that Poe has a criminal past. And I'm like, OK, Eh, yeah, sure. I mean, I always kind of figured he had something, but I don't really care um, at this stage of the game, you know, like in this, the, the the final chapter, like I don't really need to be introducing new wrinkles to him unless it's really going to unlock some bigger element of the story. Um, but then all the other characters like, you know, Finn's like, what? You have a shady past? And it's like, what the fuck do you care? Like, doesn't doesn't everyone in the rebellion oh, sorry, resistance, have some kind of criminal past. Aren't you all criminals now for, like, you know, being some kind of resistance? Although, are you? Who's in charge of the galaxy anymore? I don't know. But, you know, it's it's like, why is this an issue all of a sudden? That, you, oh, you used to be a smuggler? Uh, uh, didn't you used to be a stormtrooper? Who gives a shit? What are we doing? Like, we're all... It, to make an issue of this, also that we can bring up some woman from his past, but the point of bringing her in is to re- to to make sure that we know that Poe isn't gay. Is that really what we were doing here? What was the point of her character in this? Other no than idea. to give him the magic key to the spaceship door. And to make another action figure. Yeah. And to, to I don't know, um, give Carrie Russell something to do for a week. It just <laughs> seems needlessly complex. And I love how, you know, how everybody loves to shit on the... Um, relatively unnecessary canto bite 
sequence in Last Jedi. Yeah. And this movie is nothing but Canto Bite. That's true. That's so true. Uh, so it'll be interesting because there's there's all this kind of meta narrative about how this movie is, you know, trying to win the fans back after The Last Jedi, which I don't know what the fuck that means because I'm a fan. <laughs> and how is like all this stuff like, oh, this one's really for the fans. It's just all just stuff for the fans. I'm like, I'm a fan. This movie had nothing for me except the end credits. Yeah, I mean, I don't. That's why I said when people earlier on saw like, "Oh, it's all fan service." I'm like, "It's not really all fan service." There's a couple of things that are the most negative fan servicey things. But when people are talking about like, "Oh, you know, there's all these things you've always wanted to see in a Star Wars movie," and it checks all those boxes, I'm like, "What boxes?" Yeah. Like, I didn't get anything out of this movie that I thought was like really cool. Yeah, like there's not a single movie where I'm just like, "That was awesome." Ooh, I mean, the things that so there are some things that I kind of liked in this movie. Um. Now, all of these things I wish were better developed. Um, none of these things redeem the movie at all. But these are things I liked to see in a Star Wars movie. I wasn't necessarily asking for them. But one of the things I like that these movies have done is that these movies have all kind of subtly and without a ton of explanation um, expanded the scope of what someone can do with the Force. And I like that because I don't like it when the force is and force powers are like, again, like a D&D &D manual. Here's the stuff you can do. And here are the prerequisites to being able to do it. Like, I like the fact that in Last Jedi, we saw people who we didn't think could use the force using the force. And I also liked that in introduced Luke did something new with the force that we have not seen before, because I like the idea of like the force is something that the people who study it like they're learning new ways to use it. And when you see Kylo Ren like do like cool things like he's clearly using a force power there, but just in kind of a vague way, like when they're trying to the, the good guys are trying to escape the ship. So they kind of blast all the stormtroopers with the engine exhaust and he kind of leans forward in, you know, like he's using the force to keep himself upright as they're all getting blown away. I'm like, cool. Like, I just like the idea that, you know, people with force powers can still surprise you. And the fact that Ray has somehow figured out how to, you know, heal wounds with the force. Cool. I don't need to I don't need an explanation for why Obi-Wan never tried that in the past. Because maybe he just didn't figure out how to do it or didn't think it was possible or who gives a shit. Like, I like that kind of stuff. Um, and I like the way that when Kylo and Rey were having their fight on the, the dock, whatever it was, the, the Death Star ruins, like they were each kind of like using the force to catch each other's lightsabers. I was like, cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're and there might even be this thing, this little thing that maybe they tried to hint in the action, but didn't do a great job of like she did it. And then he like saw her do it and was like, oh, cool, I'm going to try that. And then he did it. You know, like I like that stuff happening. Um, that's stuff I like to see in a Star Wars movie. Um, but interesting. I it's not that I have a problem with any of those things in isolation. To me, it just felt a little messy and like kind of like what I saw earlier, which is like they just keep adding the scale, the scale and the scope of things in a progressively faster way where like. One thing, one of the things I like about the way I envision the force is there's an outer fringe of unknown that I think there's room to carve things out of as they've done in these movies. But I think that it needs to be like used very sparingly because otherwise yeah. you start to get into like really like I like the Jedi. I actually really like the Jedi we see in the prequels of just like 
there's a there's a suggestion that like okay like you know when we see that opening sequence with obi-wan and qui-gon they're doing stuff we haven't seen jedi do before partially because of special effects but like these are people who have trained their entire lives in this mystical force to and of course they're gonna be a little better than what we saw old man obi-wan or you know slow clunky vader or fresh new luke use in original trilogy great fine but there seems to be sort of like a reasonable layer of like outer bounds of like eh, you can kind of you know there's some different things out there but generally speaking they're not going to be able to like you know jump a thousand feet in the air they can maybe jump a hundred or we know whatever like i just don't want to turn jedi into superheroes well yeah and i think it's important just narratively whenever you have magic and the force is just space magic you do need to establish some boundaries of what is possible because otherwise you lose the dramatic stakes in your action because whenever one of your characters is in danger you know you if you as a viewer know like oh well they'll just invent some new force power on the fly to get out of this then you lose the dramatic tension so i think yeah you do need to establish a little bit and I do think they could have done a little bit more of establishing like, whoa, whoa, what are the rules around this whole like force healing wounds thing? Because that could go a long way and we need to really establish some boundaries around this right now. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, I think it would have been cool. They they kind of hint at it and I would like to see a little more is that like, you know, when, when she heals the the bug thing in the tunnel, it looks like it kind of hurt her a little bit. Yes. And she said, like, I gave some of my life force to do it. Okay. That makes, that's like, it kind of lines up with what we know about the force and the way it interacts with things. It's the thing that binds all living creatures together, etc. Okay. That there's yes. like a lot of, there's it a consistency to that. Makes sense. Um, you know, we've also now seen baby Yoda do it. Um, and then we see her heal Kylo, but I, I just, you know, it, it just felt like we're, we're crossing a line to your point. Like this has a lot of legs and, we need to put some boundaries around it. Otherwise, it's going to get a little ridiculous and make it now. Anytime someone gets hurt, it's like, we'll just heal them. Like, right. And in in the old start, like in the old review, they had it's kind of implied that like Jedi could kind of heal a little faster just by like they're very in tune with their bodies and right. kind of make some of their natural processes go a little quicker. But not like Wolverine level heals. Right. Like we're talking like a wound that might keep a guy down for two weeks, might keep a Jedi down for like a week. Like. Just like, ah, uh, they just heal a little faster. Okay, fine. It's really just to speed stuff along more than anything. But as opposed to using it as like a plot device like it is in this movie. So, and then again, we see Kylo heal her, bringing her back to life effectively. And then it seems like that kills him. Right. You never have a sense of what is the cost of the healing and, um, you know, how much, how far can it go? Because for one, you know, we we could have had a like even something like um, I guess the way I would have done it is when like when Ray healed the snake thing, which number one, if she knew if she knew how the power worked when she when she did that, because she's been reading the Jedi texts, the ancient, for example, mm-hmm. if she knew how that was going to work, like why would she waste that power on some random snake monster <laughs> you yeah. know like either, that doesn't either kill it or use a, use the other force powers to just like just you know yeah make it go away it, like that's something we've seen people do in the but past what, but 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 you could have had a visual representation of like um she heals the snake monster and then we see like a streak of gray appear in her hair do you know what i mean mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So you get I a think, sense that it, that this is actually taking something away from her, and it is a and it and it is permanent. It's not just like I did it, and then I need to have a lie down for an hour, you know? Because then, right? I need to refresh on, my spells for the day. When you know, you know, when Kylo Ren uses it to like bring her all the way back from the dead, you understand like, oh, that's a big trade, and that's going to be it for him, you know? Yeah, I think one thing they could have done, which you know, this isn't a new idea, but like. I think that when he healed her, they should have shown like his wounds open back up and yeah. particularly the wound that she gave him like come back. Yeah. Like that could have been a good reputation. Like you could there's a little bit of a bounce to this. You can you can kind of give it and take it. But, you know, it's not like it's not an end all be all to any wound. Right. But that's a it's a more minor complaint. It is, um, but it's but but these are the things that, again, we could have spent a little bit more time on. And if we had cut out some of the other nonsense in this movie and if we'd spend a little bit more time on establishing how the healing works and what the trade-offs are, when he makes that sacrifice, it would have been more powerful, I think. Or when she makes the sacrifice to save him, you know, understanding like what is she giving up to do this Um, as opposed to – like if it's just something she can just kind of do the way that they do stuff with the with the force all the time, it's just like ah she feels bad she hurt him ah so she's yeah. gonna heal him and, and you know and just walk away because she feels bad. But if we know that like oh you know by doing this she's taking three years off of her life you know then we yeah. understand that what it means to her to do this for him. Um and these moments could have worked so much better. If we'd had a bit more time to breathe instead of, um, you know, having a bunch of meaningless scenes with Lando. Right. Um, I wanted to get back. You were this is one thing, you know, the conversation about something you liked. What else did you like? What else did I like? What else did I like? What did you think of of Carrie Fisher's integration in the movie? Um, I actually I this made me feel bad because um there were almost all of her scenes. It was so obvious that they were just reusing old footage um, that it undercut all of it for me. And so when I say it's obvious, one of the big things that stood out to me is almost all of the sh- shots of her are from the exact same angle. Yeah. And it's all just kind of an over the shoulder medium dialogue shot, you know, um, and even when she's talking to different characters, it's the same shot. And that was immersion breaking for me. And also there were times when it felt like they really were, they really had to stretch to make what the, whatever lines they had fit into the scene. Yeah. Those are a little more obvious to me. Like the mechanical stuff was actually, I was a little surprised. I was like, okay, like I can see it, but it's, you have to look for it to really notice it. And you can tell that they're cutting away for other people's hands and yeah. shots from behind her to interact with other characters and stuff. That's not really her. Okay. Um, but yeah, the writing is where it felt like clunky to me. Yeah. It just didn't really feel like, and I'll also say that for me, Leia in Last Jedi was much more meaningful because it felt like she was doing Leia shit in that movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it's like all of a sudden she is like training Rey in Jedi stuff. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like something Leia would do. And then it didn't really I didn't really understand what her role in the story was. And then she just kind of dies to have like a, a long distance message with Kylo. It, it just didn't. It's all seemed so forced 
that I couldn't connect with it emotionally. Yeah, I I agree. I didn't. Unfortunately, I know there. You know, you're in a tough spot here. So I'm not going to blame him too heavily. Of course. But I it really didn't feel like there was any any payoff there. I mean, I like I liked the fact that she was training Ray. I liked that little. It looked a little goofy, but I liked the flashback to Luke and Leia training. That that was something that made me smile. Yeah, because because in part it like it did hit some nostalgia points for me. But I also was like, wait a minute, this is new. This is very very new. Like that, you know, she got Jedi training at some point, and we never like. And this is the first we're hearing of it. Oh, and by the way, her lightsaber was hiding in my little rock hut all along. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, it felt a little retconny for sure, but to me, that was just like, to me, the way Return of the Jedi ends is it always implied that Leia was also going to become a Jedi. Yeah, and I honestly have no problem with the idea of Leia becoming a Jedi. It's just that it's dumb that this is the first we get of that in, you know, like if we had started episode seven and we'd been talking about it and and, and a couple throwaway lines of like, I tried the Jedi thing, but it wasn't for me. You know, or like a minor, you know, see her use the force in some way, in some minor way or something. I, I agree. I think that they could have definitely let breadcrumb out of it because we, we get the scene in Last Jedi where she uses the force to to save herself um, to the chagrin of many people. I didn't mind that scene. No, but, because um, and that felt that dealt with some of the larger things that movie was trying to set up of like, hey, it's not just Jedi who can use the force. Right. And and later on, hey, it's not just people with the last name Skywalker who can use the force. Right. Which was, I think, honestly, uh, if this thing was going to survive past episode nine, these are the things you need to start establishing. Right. Um, and instead we have, oh, well, I mean, we, we do get the, you know, that Finn can use the force potentially. Yeah. OK. But then you also sort of have Ray, um, you know, well, she's a Palpatine. Oh, OK. That explains why she's so strong. So we're still in the bloodline thing. Like not not a good choice, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I could have been fine. Like any of these things could have been fine if we'd been setting them up in the earlier movies. The Palpatine, Palpatine thing, look, I don't love the choice, but you could have done interesting things with it if it was your plan from episode seven to move forward with. But it's very clear in episode seven, they were like, we're just going to leave a whole lot of things open-ended so that we can fill it in later on. Um, Rather than, you know, even the loose outline of episode seven, you know, we're going to set things up. Episode eight, we're going to introduce our big bad. Episode nine is our big confrontation. And, you know, here's how everybody's connected. And in much the same way that uh, George R. R. Martin kind of outlined the plot of the ending of Game of Thrones for those idiots who, um, I don't know, read it backwards and upside down. Two minutes before they had to finish, um, but it was, it's very clear they didn't have that because there is no indication in 7 and 8 that Palpatine's been behind it the whole time. There is no indication that Leah had Jedi training. Um, and even if you want to have Leah, Leia, did I say, who am I talking about? Princess Leia <laughs> <laughs> training Rey, she should be training Rey in the stuff that we've already seen Leia like be good at. You know, training her in leadership, training her in diplomacy. Do you know what I mean? Like that would have mm-hmm. been so much better than her like, oh, she's doing like some Jedi uh, um, obstacle courses 
because we also like based on Last Jedi, like Ray's already got the like fighting and force powers shit down pat. She doesn't need any more of that. You know, mm-hmm. like we've already seen her. She's a fucking Kung Fu master by the end of Last Jedi. So seeing her yeah, getting some training and some other fighter. things that were more appropriate for Leia, that would have been more interesting and better. And also just a quick little dumb setup, poorly written, poorly edited thing in that scene. So there's that scene, Ray's doing the obstacle course and somehow fucking it up in ways we don't understand. But then she has this talk with Leia and says like, oh, I'm not worthy of your brother's lightsaber. Hands it over to Leia. And you're like, "Okay, I get it. So later on, she's going to like prove herself and get the lightsaber back. Right. And nope. Two scenes later, Leia's like, here's that lightsaber. Go save the galaxy. And Ray's like, thanks. Bye. What the fuck? What the fuck? Cut all that out. I don't know why that's in there. And I like the I like the training scene because it shows, you know, it shows her anger and stuff like like, you know, that that scene like worked really well for me. Um, I don't like it because it it only serves trying to reinforce it like. Yeah, but she's got evil blood. Right. Um, well, we're not going to talk about this great. again for another two hours, but maybe. Yeah, don't forget. Because uh, she got frustrated. <laughs> That's how you know she's couple evil. couple things I... Yeah, yeah, because she got frustrated. A <laughs> uh, couple things I liked. Um, I already talked about how much I like Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver's performances. Yep. That's been a consistent thing throughout this trilogy that really, in my mind, I think is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for people who like these movies. Yes. Like, I think if... They weren't as good as they were. It, the whole thing would be a lot more obvious to people. Um, I, I don't. I, I really. There's some stuff with the three PS stuff I really didn't like. There were some gags that got me because um, it reminded me of like, yeah, like this is why having the droids around is fun because like they provide a comical note without you don't need to go into like prequel comedy territory. But like you know, people ragging on three PO is fun, and him being a little dolt is fun. Like when they all when they all look at him and then he like stops and looks behind him like that scene made me laugh there. There's other scenes that like didn't land at all, but um, some of those were OK. Unfortunately, I really liked Billy D. Williams performance yeah. in this movie because it felt like fucking Lando yeah. is wasted. I mean, he didn't do anything, which isn't great, yeah. um, but a little more of his interaction with like Chewie. We didn't really get a payoff for him and Leia, which once again, not maybe not their fault necessarily. But then again, don't. Don't set it up. You don't need to. Don't set it up. Like, <laughs> give Leia my love. I was like, yeah, it's a Lando thing to fucking say. Um, no comment from Lando about Han. Like, just stuff. It's just like these things would feel like they matter to these people, right? Yeah. Like, and it just didn't. And at some points, it seems like they really want us to care that Kylo killed Han. And other points, other points, they want us to like forget it. And it's just really inconsistent there. Uh, what else did I like? Oh, one thing I hated was that this is going to be. I'm going to push up my glasses here. <clears throat> when. Kylo becomes Ben Solo again in the wreckage of the second Death Star. It's implied by the shot, the overly lingered, once very fan servicey shot of uh, Luke's X-Wing and original TIE fighters sitting next to each other. That's what he took to get to Exegol. It's like well-established fact, and even talked about in the previous, like that TIE fighters do not have hyperdrives and they cannot like travel through deep space, let alone get from Endor to Exegol through all that shit. Like they're small right? They're short. They say moves. They're short range craft that need to have a bigger craft nearby because you know, they're, they're designed to be like mass produced and cheap and not have the individualism that's attached to like people in X-Wings and things like that. You know, the shapeless, mindless empire doesn't care about its soldiers. So that bugged me. 
Um, but that's a that's a nerd quibble. Yeah. And you know what would have been cooler, I think? Um, even if you want to get to that, like, you know, um, X-Wing and TIE Fighters sitting side by side, like, thing, which is dumb. You don't need it. But wouldn't it have been kind of better if Ray um, Ray takes off and she goes and she takes off in, in his TIE whatever, whatever. And then he chases after her and he, you know, in his pursuit of her crash lands on, you know, the Luke Island and he has a conversation with Luke Skywalker and flies away in red one or red five. Mm, that would be cool. Do you know what I mean? Because that would have given yeah. a little bit more like and that would have been an interaction we haven't seen before, you know, Luke and Kylo and, you know, would have given us a little bit more of insight into why he's turning and um well no we have seen them interact but like a nice mirror to like the duel on crate you know and now they can have a little heart to heart now that he's kind of turned that i think would have been more interesting than the conversation we got of luke and ray yeah or have him have him fly uh darth fate like you know it's presumably you could if you're going to be like you're going to have something stupid that any TIE fighter survived the crash of the Death Star wreckage right. on the planet. Like, have it be Vader's TIE fighter because yeah. he had one and that one had a hyperdrive. And like, once again, even a little bit more, more of a better mirror because that's the that's the showdown we had. And, you know, in the original movie was iconically like Vader's TIE fighter and Luke's X-Wing next to each other. The family connection, the whole thing. A little bit better. I don't know. It just yeah. once again felt a little fancy. Like, remember TIE Fighters and X-Wings? Even though they're in all these whole fucking movies because apparently no one can build a new ship in 30 years. But regardless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, they can. They just paint some red on it this time. Oh, right, right. Um, Yeah. So what else did I like? Chewie's reaction to Leia's death was good. Heart-wrenching. Um, boy, I'm really struggling here. Yeah, no, I? there's not a lot here that's, that's good. Um, oh, I liked in the... I really liked in the fight. I was a little disappointed with with Kylo's duel with the Knights of Ren. That could have stood to have been beefed up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I liked when Rey was fighting, like, I guess the Imperial Guards or whatever those were. Like, she's doing the thing where she's grabbing blaster bolts out of the air and turning them and stuff. Mm -hmm. And once again, a good mirror to, like, this idea that her and Ben are kind of like learning from each other throughout these movies, which is kind of an interesting perspective. It just, it just looked cool. Yeah. And it was like, it was kind of subtle. It wasn't like, remember Kylo can do it. It was just like, she's just doing it like in a way that this movie doesn't <laughs> tend to be subtle in other ways. So I'll give him props for that. Um, but that's, uh, that's pretty much I it. I liked, I did like, and I wish we'd got to see more of it, but the changes in personality and, wardrobe and like even just kind of physicality of ben solo versus kylo ren yeah you know like just like the first scene he gets there and he jumps like and he makes this jump onto this thing and he's just like ow and <laughs> you know there's there's a lot of really subtle things i don't like how his hair was different <laughs> like i thought that and was his scar was magically gone well no i i like that the scar was magically gone because the scar goes away when she heals his chest wound Oh, does it? I missed that. And I that. like that there's a little bit of symbolism that she's healing more than just that wound. I wish we'd explained a little bit more there, as I said, but um, but his hair is a little different, which I thought was like, that's going too far. Um, but he seems looser and he seems a little bit more, you know, his reactions to things are a little bit more kind of comical and every man 
and um a little more han solo a little more han solo and i like that that was a really good choice i just wish we'd we'd had a little bit more time to develop it and we'd i I wish i'd got to spend a little bit more time with the new ben solo before he just vanished off the face of the earth forever yeah i agree with that um did you what did you think of the kiss a lot of people don't like the kiss online um didn't bother me i i was fine with it i was like yeah that's of course that's what's gonna happen they're they they these two have been trying to fuck for three movies now. Like this is what's <laughs> going to happen. I I kind of wanted more from this. You know, it's like this is there's been they're not related. Why are we upset about this? I mean, right. he is a mass murderer. Uh, True. So I'm kind of glad they didn't get to ride off into the sunset together because he has a genuinely awful past. Um, and I'm glad that the movie didn't try to make us forget that, you know, and like, oh, he's he's good now, you know, kind of the yeah. way that, you know, when Darth Vader had his turn, like he still has to die. He's, you know, you know, he 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 gets to have a change at the end. But then we but then we don't have to grapple with like, well, is he cool now? <laughs> you know, like, no, right. still still a war criminal. Um, Although that would be an interesting plot line for a movie is the fall of something like that. If someone yes. does be, is redeemed and then has to be like, no, we have to consequences for your actions man yeah like can you imagine going back and being like no he's changed he's on the light side of the force now and then the rest of rolling is like the fuck does that mean man <laughs> like i don't care whether your weird space god thinks he's cool he murdered an entire star system <laughs> yeah it's kind of like when people like try and use in a, a murder trial and they're like well he found god it's like okay fine like whatever Great. he's still going to jail dude um yeah but no that you're right that could be interesting um and then maybe where Ray finds herself on the wrong side of the resistance because she can't choose between the man she loves and the cause that has branded him an outcast. That could be yeah. cool. And it's actually one thing that they set up in the from what I've a little bit of reading I've done in the new EU, which I think is actually a cool idea, is that one of the reasons that Leia is no longer a member of the government is because it came out that she was Darth Vader's child, which not her fault, but like the scandal around that and that it was kept secret basically ruined her political career. Right. And, and it's part of the reason why she's not in like the f- formal government anymore. And, re- you know, that that would be a reasonable thing. Imagine if we found out that, you know, <laughs> some member of Congress today turns out that's Osama bin Laden's son. Oh, maybe not that guy. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we don't need that in our, you know, and that's cool. Like, that's interesting because it deals with it connects the series. And, you know, again, it's not just like, oh, there's the cackling evil guy on his secret lightning world (laughs) who wants to make a bunch of big evil triangles that are going to hurt our good boys. You know, anyway. Yeah, there is one more thing I want to talk about. um, And I think I'm glad that we've gotten this far before we've had to address the bullshit last jedi backlash and the and the way that this movie in its um uh unforgivably cowardly way has kowtowed to that bullshit Mm -hmm. um i'm glad we've gotten that far because that bullshit was entirely overblown and also most of that anti-sjw critique of the last jedi is in fact like most anti-sjw critiques of media is not actually made in good faith it is just a an attempt to mainstream far right arguments by hijacking conversations about popular things in media. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a documented strategy. And the fact that, um, this movie gave that more oxygen and then the coverage gives that more oxygen is shitty. But 
to me, it is very obvious that Disney has made concessions to right wing trolls here. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone who disliked The Last Jedi is a right wing troll. I'm not saying that at all. I think there are perfectly valid reasons not to like The Last Jedi. Um, as long as those reasons aren't things like uh, the existence of Rose or the relationship between a black space alien and a vaguely Asian space alien. Um, if those are your complaints, you know, uh, you go fuck yourself. But the fact that it seems like this movie went out of its way to do a couple things. One, it went out of its way to make sure we knew that uh, Poe Dameron is totally hetero. Like, it almost seems like the entire Zori Bliss character exists solely to prove, don't worry, he's into chicks. I know there's been a lot of rumors that maybe he isn't, but trust us, he's got a case of the not gays. Don't worry. Um, secondly, the fact that Rose was entirely sidelined um, for this entire movie and doing things in the movie that literally any other nameless character who's not Dominic Monaghan could do. Right. Like there's nothing about anything she says or does that is at all in keeping with her character. She might as well not even be in the movie. But yeah. also the movie goes out of its way to let us know, hey, that romance we were developing between Finn and Rose, not a thing. Don't worry. We're going to spend a lot of this movie teasing a love triangle between um, Ray, Finn and Poe. Um, but don't worry, we're going to make it very obvious that they are just friends now. And not only that, but we're going to make sure that Finn does get a girlfriend. But don't worry, racist assholes. She'll be black, too. So nobody has to worry. He's not going to end up with Ray. He's not going to end up with Rose. He'll end up with another black space alien because we don't want to have any race mixing in our thing because we know that makes some people mad. And I just thought it was weirdly conspicuous that they that they did these things. Um, and I think that's really fucked up that, uh, that Disney responded to that in, in a, in a, anything that even could be interpreted as accommodating of those critiques. Yeah. And it almost felt like the very token woman on woman kiss is sort of like a facade of like, they did all those things and they're like, but, but here's two ladies kissing. So we're all cool with that side, right? Like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're good, right? Like, you know, we checked the box that I'm not trying to diminish that. But like, you know, it's just like, well, but ah, it these, just are, felt... these are characters that don't even have names. Right. Um, and uh, and also they edited that scene out of at least the cut for Singapore. Um, sure they did. Yeah, no, that, that that's been in the in the headlines today. But uh, yeah, it was like the big, you know, um, the big, you know, Disney got all up, all, you know, patting itself on the back. Um for the, you know, so the, 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 the gay scene in Endgame, you know, the one, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the one brief little bit of dialogue that where a character in the, in the support group, you know, talks about being gay and Captain America, like, doesn't punch him. And we're like, all right, way to go, Marvel. Way to go. You're <laughs> definitely, you get, you know, you get all the thumbs up from the, from the liberals. Uh, it just, I, I was really, really, uh, upset with with those moves that were very clear you know it would just be a really weird coincidence if all those things um that seemed really shoehorned into the movie had nothing to do with the vocal uh minority opinion on the the you know racial and gender issues in last jedi um 
So that really, really pissed me off. And and um, and that might be the worst thing about this movie in the broader sense for me. Yeah, that's true. Bad precedent to set for the future. Yeah. Because uh, you're basically saying like people, if you bitch loud enough with your shitty views, then maybe you might just win, right. which is not the message we need right, right. now. Your, your shitty views that are that are, you know. Anybody who's following this knows are not even good faith arguments about the movie. They are just an attempt to get into the YouTube algorithm for people who want to watch reviews and commentary on The Last Jedi. Well, I want to say, you know, I want to get into that YouTube, you know, stream. Um, So I'm going to make a... I'm going to make a video that's 70% a review of The Last Jedi, but 30% of it is about how um, there shouldn't be black stormtroopers. And this is like it's a documented tactic. And the fact that, um, number one, giving into that kind of critique at all, like the right thing to do is to hear that critique from those assholes and say, you know what? Fuck you. I don't want your ticket money. We're going to double down on those things. Yeah. Now it's now now, you know, now Finn is by and he's in love with <laughs> he's by and Polly, which means he's in love with Poe and Rose. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> also, Rose is a Jedi now. And episode nine is all about Rose. Like, that's what you got to do to these idiots. Um, but instead, they were like, oh, no, noted. Um, noted. Uh, Richard Spencer. Yes, we will. Um, is there anything else we can do for you, sir? Um, are there any space Jews we could murder in the next one that would make you happy? I just it's fucking infuriating. Yeah, definitely. And even like that is all infuriating and despicable but even just like engaging we talked about this a little bit when was the last time we talked about this it was like maybe game of thrones like engaging with the fans engaging with fandom as you're in the creative yes. process in that way is just bad in general i think like not that saying you can't listen to critical feedback or incorporate it into how you approach things but like you it feels very knee-jerk and it feels very like all you're caring about is the whim of anyone who makes enough noise on the internet which is not the way to approach creative work especially in the long form like I, you know, there's plenty of complaints about Marvel, different Marvel movies or the approach, but I've never really got the feeling that they care much. You know, it's like we have a plan and we're doing it. And, you know, yeah, there might be some like characters that we realize are really funny or people really like. So we're going to beef them up the next movie, but not like direct reply to complaint, which I think is something that you can kind of feel in this movie if you're looking for it. And I think the big difference, one of the big differences between Marvel and Star Wars is that the Marvel plan and the formula were established before Disney acquired them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they had pretty much yeah. mapped out what the movies were going to be, and they knew they had established, we know what makes these movies successful, and we know how to repeat that. When they acquired Star Wars, nobody had any idea of how to make Star Wars work. They Everybody knew the prequels were not good, Um There was no cohesive plan for the next step. And Disney decided we're not even going to make a plan. We're just going to throw some talent at the first one and keep throwing talent at it. And hopefully it will coalesce into something. And I think it's very clear that that was the wrong idea. Um, But yeah, I think that back to this, to your idea about um, letting your fans decide the direction of your thing. It's, I mean, I'm somebody who I'm, my career is in market research. It is about how you incorporate what your customers want into your strategic plans. That's what I do 40 hours a week. 
And there is a fine line to walk between designing things with your customers in mind and letting your customers design your product. And there's this old, you know, classic Henry Ford uh, quote, if it's even a quote, all, and Henry Ford's a problematic figure, but this is a useful concept, basically. And he said, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. And, you know, that's true in a lot of ways. And, you know, there's also the old adage about a camel is a horse designed by a committee. And when you're when you're planning your episode nine based so what appears to be solely on the complaints about the last Jedi, you end up with a series of boxes to check. Okay, people were upset that with the answer we gave about Ray's parents. Okay, so here's a box. Better answer for Ray's parents. People were upset that Luke uh, threw the lightsaber away. Fix that. Um, people wanted. People need to know Snoke's origin. Checkbox on that. You know, and and just that's what you end up with. And you say, okay, make a movie around these ten check marks. Um, and then you get this this garbage fire. Yeah. And as opposed to what happened when um they basically went to Ryan Johnson and said, make a Star Wars movie. Here's where things ended in episode seven. Um, And here's some probably very basic rules. Like we kind of need you to keep the main characters alive. (laughs) Like the next generation characters (laughs) all need to survive at the end of this, but otherwise go nuts. And then you get what is easily in the top two or three Star Wars movies. Uh, Bold. I, yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think that the, the very little input that you did as, you know, Disney or Lucasfilm talking to Ryan Johnson, that seems like literally the extent of what they were getting. Yeah. Cause there's just, you know, and everyone's been railing about this and I've been railing about it for three movies now, just like there's no plan. And it's funny. I was hearing someone talk about something that I forget who it was. And they were basically like, well, we're, we're expecting, you know, expecting too much. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, like, Oh, there wasn't a plan when they made stars originally. They just did it. I'm like, yeah, but like, but there was a plan for two and three. Right. And there is there needs to be a plan now. Like we have progressed. We expect more of our media. We expect more of our stories. And that more can show up in different ways. It can be deeper. It can be more complex. It can be better made, whatever you want to call it. Like, but I hate the sort of like, oh, it's for kids, like pressure valve or like, oh, it's just like we're overthinking it. Like, no, like there's people who do that for sure in movies. And like you said, like we're not hounding, trying to hound on like plot holes or, you know, cinema sins kind of style stuff. Like we're talking about like fundamentals to like making good movies and making good stories. And what is now become a standard of like, if you're going to make a good franchise genre fiction series, you need to step it up because Marvel set a precedent other places, other, you know, movies have set a precedent. Like you can't just phone it in. Like, this movie feels like a Transformers movie at points. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I, I keep coming back to it reminds me a lot of Batman v Superman. Yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison. It, actually, it, in, in terms of like, it seems like it's trying to do too much and include too many things. And um, it doesn't really know what it's trying to do or what it wants to be. And it loses sight of just making a, a, a decent movie in the process. And, you know, like I remember the, 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 the opening 10 minutes of Batman v Superman, it's like 12 locations in 10 minutes and you have no idea what's going on. And it's, 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 it's confusing. And this is the same way. And my problems with 
Batman v Superman are not that, oh, Batman kills people in this and Batman's not supposed to kill people or, oh, I don't like this brooding Superman. That's not the real Superman. That Those aren't my problems with that movie. The main problems are that it doesn't even make narrative sense and I can't keep track of what's happening or or who I'm supposed to be rooting for or like it fails in fundamental levels and this one does too. And, um, and I think that a lot of this could have been solved if they'd had more of a plan. What do mm-hmm. we what is the story we want to tell with these three things as opposed to what I think was at the beginning, they had a corporate strategic plan of these three movies are passing the torch to the next generation of Star Wars stars and Star Wars fans. That's our goal here. Um, and this is about, you know, moving us away from Luke, Leia, Han and towards Ray and Finn and Kylo Ren and, and those guys. Um, I think they changed their mind halfway through. And I think that the lack of a plan um, allowed Ryan Johnson to kind of to kind of screw J.J. Abrams. Well, screw whoever was going to follow him in a certain way of like not leaving them a ton to work with, which I think is the only mistake that the only real significant mistake that Ryan Johnson made was um, really creating a very difficult setup for episode nine. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, especially with the idea that this is going to be a trilogy that concludes in some way, which maybe once again, maybe that wasn't the thing. Like they could have easily just be like, we're just going to release episodes every two or three years for a long time. Like you said, the beginning episode and Kylo Ren is going to be developing character throughout many, many movies in the way that we've seen, you know, in the Marvel films, like the certain characters crop up again and slowly develop over time. And I don't know. uh, I, it's just disappointing. You know, star Wars is a very integral part of like to, to not get like overwrought, but like an integral part of like me as a human being, it just infiltrated my life for so long that to feel this way sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Just put it bluntly. Like it sucks. I don't want to not like star Wars. And I've always tried, you know, you know me, I I tend to be a little more glass half full and, and try and pull out the positives and, you know, kind of push forward. Like I'm planning on as part of my sequel rebuild, I'm going to rewatch all the movies because it's been a long time since I've watched this, the, originals or the prequels mm-hmm. for that matter i'm gonna say what you know what do i feel about these how do i feel especially in comparison try and pull out some broader themes that i would want to apply if i was going to redo the sequels and it leaves me feeling a, a drift and i wanted to you know we've talked for a long time but very briefly like where do we go from here greg i i'm disappointed too i mean i, I didn't have high hopes for this movie because my operating theory is that look, Star Wars is moving away from the things I care about and it's starting to be made for a different group of people, you know, and I'm okay with that. That's the way it goes. You know, if any of these things are going to carry on for a long time, they need to, they need to periodically reinvent themselves for a new audience. I understand that. And this idea of like, well, this is definitely going to be the last movie that has any connection to the characters and the storylines from the movies I really liked. And that's okay. That's the that's the way of it. And I really wish I could walk away from this saying like, you know what? I like Star Wars, but you know what? It's not really for me anymore. I wish that's what I could say. But I walk away from this saying, you know what? I'm not sure if I like Star Wars. I like two and a half, three, maybe four of the nine movies. But most of them are pretty dumb and bad and 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 don't really add up to anything. Um, Where do we go from here? Um... I think I might just be a Witcher fan. <laughs> I think I might be becoming a fan of The Witcher as a oh, yeah? as a as a franchise. I might be moving away from Star Wars 
and just saying like in the same way that I'm like, I'm not a Metallica fan, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Master of Puppets is a pretty good record and I have some good memories of it. But like, I'm not going to call myself a Metallica fan, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to call myself a Star Wars fan anymore, I think, because it's just the bad now, I think, outweighs the good. And I think the future of Star Wars is going to be if if they keep going, I think it's going to become more regressive. I think it's going to become more um, fan servicey, uh, less less risk taking, um, and uh, it's going to become something I want to associate myself with less and less. Um, but damn, The Witcher's good, and if the show is this good, and the games are that good, I think I might start reading the books. I might become a Witcher guy. <laughs> I haven't started yet. I, you know, I've been reading a lot about it, and it seems like. The biggest complaint I've seen has been that, like, oh, the timeline stuff is a little confusing. Uh, it is a little bit, but whatever. Get through it. It's a good fucking show. That's awesome. I'm glad that you yeah. like it because that you have high you you set a high bar for stuff I'm, like that. So if you liked it, then it should I mean, be I will good. say I'm I'm almost done with it, and I've been watching it as I have been cooking for Christmas and wrapping presents and doing stuff. So I haven't been like giving it a full focus watch. Um, I do plan to, but I do plan to watch it again with like a full deep dive kind of watch. Um, but yeah, it's really good. And so far it seems like everything that's associated with the Witcher franchise is good, which you cannot say about star Wars. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, I'm not really sure where we go from here. I mean, I think that I'm curious to see, obviously critical reception. Of this movie is not good. Uh, box office things are fine because it's source, but it's still making less money than last Jedi from what I've read. Um, which Disney never wants to see that, that line graph go down at any point. So they're going to probably, they're going to definitely, they already said they're going to reevaluate, you know, before me, they're probably even hedging their bets there. I mean, there's the Mandalorian seems relatively successful. Um, I guess we have the last episode tomorrow, I guess, uh, for the season. So that should be interesting to see kind of how it ends. You know, we have these other things that are allegedly happening, although none of them are even in, in full development. I don't think yet. So any of that could change any given moment. One of the things that was pointed out when I was, thinking a little bit about, you know, the old EU and then the sequel movies and people talking about stuff is that like now the the new expanded universe, it basically can't do anything because it can only be just like filling in gaps and giving right. backstory and whatever. Cause it, you need to release, you need to save all the big important things for the movies or the TV right. shows, which is, you know, not a thing that was a problem, not a, not a uh, restraint that it had before. So maybe go back to being less interested in pursuing that. So I'd love to think that they're going to take a little bit of a break and do some TV stuff, maybe experiment a little bit there and see where they kind of land and then maybe take another stab at some of this stuff. I mean, I would like to see more stories about Ray. I want to see that cool yellow lightsaber in action. It sucks that it's going to be tainted by how poorly this trilogy was executed, but I was able to look past the prequels in the same way. So maybe I can look past this. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like um, I don't know what I would want from from the Star Wars universe as it stands at the end of this. I've lost interest in Rey as a character because um, her there was so much potential in this idea of this kind of empowered female character who was on a mission, you know, 
that was completely driven by her own goals and her own wants and, you know, um, her own desires, not some wizard came to her and gave her a mission, you know, or, um, uh, but then here's the way this, this story about this character ends. And, um, after the last Jedi, where it's really about her and trying to come to terms with, you know, trying to find validation first in her past and realizing that that it wasn't going to come from her past. And she, the only way she was going to find meaning and direction in her life was to find it herself. Um, to go from that moment to her path in Rise of Skywalker, which is, um, and maybe this is, you know, too much of a feminist reading, but um, turns out uh, she's the pawn in the scheme of a man. And that so far, all, everything is is meant to lead her to um, uh, basically becoming the host for a man, right? She's going to become the host of Palpatine's spirit and, thus, you know, turn into the man. Um, but she overcomes that by, you know, taking her bad boy crush and changing him and making him a better person. Like, that's her arc. Manipulated by a man, but... Um, uh, but then, you know, but then, you know, is redeemed because of the bad boy she saved by the man she fixed. Do you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden now yeah. her entire story is focused on the men who are manipulating her and the men who can, um, somehow benefit from her. She literally gives away part of her life force to save this otherwise irredeemable shit heel who, um, uh, who murdered her father figure. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of fucked. And then she concludes it all by <laughs> taking a man's name, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, well, uh, yeah, it's not great. It's not great. So I'm not sure what I want from Ray now, because it, it's been unclear to me what exactly Ray wants. You know, what's her goal here? Yeah. What, what, you know, um, I think a larger problem as well is like they didn't spend any time in these movies developing a world like a world mm -hmm. like and sure you can argue that the original trilogy didn't but once again like different goals different time different context different expectations like those shots at the end you know i was thinking in comparison to you know how the they added the celebration scenes on all different planets at the end of return of the jedi and then in the special edition yeah okay so like kind of dumb but in the context of that movie it makes in those movies, it makes a certain amount of sense. Like we've seen the empire as a oppressive force on all these planets throughout these three movies. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the movie, we see that one of the results, it George, it didn't need to be spelled out this, you know, specifically, but okay, I get it. You need to explain every single thing in case anybody has any questions. Uh, we see that the destruction of the second death star and the death of the emperor leads to at least a momentary throwing off of the yoke of the empire and there's beginning to be changed. Some of those scenes are a little too intense for my liking, like just like that's not how things work. Right. But okay. As opposed to the end of this movie where it's like, yeah, show cloud city for some reason. And then Ewoks and what appears to be a Hodo maneuver. Yeah. Like <laughs> why? I don't know because weren't we just told there was no one else out there. I, I just dumb. So like we spent no time developing a new a new world or a more fleshed out world to tell new stories right. in. So you'd have to basically start that from scratch with a new story surrounding Ray. And we've already seen her at her most interesting point potentially in her life. I think that there's, you know, you've almost you've 
progressed so quickly through her story and kind of ham-fisted it that you're just you're back to the same situation you had Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi, where it's like, well, how do we make him interesting now? Yeah, and that's and 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 the good news about that is Return of the Jedi doesn't need to say like you know doesn't need to make Luke any more interesting. Like he's you know he's 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 achieved some new level of Jedi mastery and he's made peace with his own heritage and you know he's um he's 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 connecting with Leia in a way that he hasn't before and and it looks like that somehow they're going to work to rebuild a better universe one way or another I'm fine with that um but with Rey at the end of this movie it's like okay so she's calling herself Rey Skywalker now all right that's cute whatever and she's She's got her own lightsaber now, which means she's still on the Jedi path. I don't know what that means, and I don't really care to find out. Um, I have no sense of how the experience of these three movies has changed her. Like, I definitely get the sense of, Luke, you know, where Luke is at the end of Jedi versus where he is at the beginning of episode four. It's like, I get it. I definitely see how he has changed and how this experience has changed him and made him into this more mature, calm, and um, thoughtful person, you know, with this commitment to goodness, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what Ray, you know, how is she different now? What does she want? What is she going to do with this? Is she going to, because on one hand, she goes and she buries the lightsabers as though I'm putting an end to all of this, you know? But then she's got her own lightsaber. So is she putting an end to the Jedi stuff? And what does that even mean? And what do we do? I just that's again, it's this movie hasn't established like um, what what the world looks like after the first order, because it didn't tell me what the world was like after the Empire, you know? <laughs> right. It, and it didn't tell us it didn't tell us what the world looked like before the first order, during the first order or yes. after the first order, because they didn't spread their like that's I'm not going to get into it. But there's no context in any of these movies, and it's it makes you said before we talk about Watchmen and how it makes the the original source material better. Yeah, the prequels are bad, but outside of like one or two minor things, it didn't make me like it didn't make the originals feel worse to me. Correct. This kind of does because it makes it feel like everything that happens in those movies means exactly. nothing in this world, and that's probably one of the biggest failures of these movies. Yeah. And when you look at Rogue One, Rogue One, for all of its flaws, kind of makes A New Hope a better movie because it it increases the stakes. You know what I mean? And it gives you some context yeah. of what the Empire is capable of. It makes the Empire scarier when you start Episode 4, and it makes the Rebellion seem much more on the run and on the ropes than, you know, at the start mm-hmm. of Episode 4. So that's awesome. Um, but this, like you say, it doesn't, yeah, it just makes it seem like nothing, the, the Return of the Jedi didn't matter. Yeah, because it's like, okay, we've had 30 years of relative peace, although it's kind of implied in this movie that like, nah, maybe, like, New Republic wasn't very good from the sounds of it. They're applying that in The Mandalorian very heavily at this right now, that, you know, same shit, different day kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then you're saying not 30 years later, we have a bigger, badder empire back, Yeah. plus the the emperor is back as well. And it's just like, well, then what was what was the point? Like, what was Luke bringing balance to the force then? Like, what is... <sighs> yeah. What was the value in that? Because there's still a dark side. Right. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't... And 
and part of that's part of that is fair. It's due to like there's some there's some inconsistencies and some shallowness to the ideas of the original trilogy. Like that's and that's it's hard to build on that. And in some I would, ways. I'll, but, but I'll, I, I give that. But and I think that Last Jedi tried to comment on that a little bit because you know Star Wars has been rightly criticized of of this idea of like yep you just blow up one big thing then evil's taken care of it's done you did it you won you blew up the right ball. <laughs> And thus, you know, um, and then every problem is solved forever. And, you know, and like, ooh, you brought balance to the force. And Last Jedi tries to square that circle by saying like, yeah, like maybe things didn't work out that great. Maybe, you know, maybe our heroes were a little naive when they thought that, at you know, after they blew up the second Death Star that all the problems were solved. And maybe that's why Luke went into seclusion, because he was, you know, he got frustrated because, you know, it turns out that, you know, you can't just blow up a Death Star and that's the end of that. You can't just do some mystical mumbo jumbo and kill the right evil wizard and the force is fixed now, you know? And that's what Luke's talking about in, in some respects in Last Jedi. That like, you know, that the Jedi were dumb. They thought that, you know, you could fix these problems by just, you know, you know, listening to prophecy and, you know, and it's like, yeah. That works. That's how you make this all work. That's the only way you keep this universe going is if um, but but again, making it the Empire again, but just with red now more red in the in the in the color scheme. I, I think a much better decision would have been it's not the First Order. It's the New Republic. Turns out the New Republic went bad. And, you know, a lot of old Empire guys, old Imperial guys ended up coming to power in the New Republic and corrupted it. And it. But also there are some people in there who are genuinely ex-rebel people who are allied with the New Republic. And, you know, and it's a complicated thing now. And the Resistance is also a composition of old ex-rebellion people who felt like the New Republic didn't really nail it. And some ex-imperial people who felt, you know, shafted by the new regime. And the Resistance is now kind of a tricky thing. I don't it but but no they but because they didn't know what to do they were just like just hit the reset button and now there's young people in it. Ugh. Yeah. Yep, and I'm not going to commentate on what I think will happen. I mean, I'm going to, but not to <laughs> because I'm working yeah. on it. But uh so prepare, prepare yourself I'm, for that. I'm ready. I am I am ready to pretend these movies didn't happen. Although I got I have to say I it was simultaneously like after seeing this movie and seeing how bad it is, I was just like Oh, I'll, I'll fucking show you all. I'll come up with the greatest story ever. <laughs> They're probably just like, I don't want to fucking think about this because it makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah, you start to feel like it's not worth the effort. Yeah. Yeah, but, I know uh, you I'm, you know, I am i can't turn my brain off about it, so it's going to happen. But, um, yeah, uh, we did it. We did it. We watched all of Star Wars. All of Star Wars and then talked about it for well over two hours. So you're welcome for that, folks. We will be back soon with a year in review. I, I, if we, yeah, probably. I have to think about what that means. Yeah. Um, I was thinking today, I was thinking about stuff I've seen this year and I was just like, ooh, I didn't, I didn't do my due diligence in seeing, seeing a wide array of things. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) Uh, so it might be a little bit weird, but we can cause it. I mean, we spent a lot of time watching Evangelion. (laughs) That is true. Um, in the quotes of my, in the direct quote from my brother-in-law at, at Christmas yesterday, I'm really excited you guys are done with that anime bullshit. <laughs> yep. I we mean, are. <laughs> he's half right. It is anime <laughs> bullshit, but I don't know that I'm done with it. 
<laughs> well, I think at some point we're going to have to watch the rebuild. So, uh, but hopefully we can talk about the Witcher a little bit. I'm excited to watch yes, that. You should watch the Witcher. Um, I just started rewatching the expanse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I want to dive a little deeper into and, uh, we'll get there and we'll, we'll, we'll pull ourselves out of this nosedive. That is episode nine. And this is a year of disappointing endings. So quote unquote endings, uh, so far. Yeah. But I mean, this in game of Thrones, I, 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 I think there could be a lot of conversation about similarities and differences in the various, um, garbage fires mm-hmm. between star Wars and game of Thrones and lessons in how not to stick the landing. Yeah. I mean, if anything, these exercises should help people make better endings, right? Because it's helpful to sometimes see what not to do in order to figure out what to do. Yeah. <laughs> right side here. Okay. Right side. Uh, I had I had a very unrelated quick question. Uh-huh. Did you, We you know, we came out of, this is why we came from a very, a very high point, Watchmen, yes. down to a very low point for Star Wars. And it left me wanting more. Did you watch Leftovers, The Leftovers? No, I haven't. Although I'm thinking about it now. Lyndon Lost's second show after Lost. Yes. Uh, and cause I'm seeing a lot of like year end, more like decade in review that people are putting that out as one of the best shows of the yeah. decade. And after watching Watchmen, I'm like, mm, that's, that could be true. Like before I wouldn't have touched it with a 10 foot pole. Cause I was like, mm, same guy from Lost. Yeah. No thanks. But, uh, now I'm like, well, he's redeemed himself. So maybe this show was good. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, but, I'm definitely going to give that one a shot at some point. Um, I, I got to get through the Witcher and then. I might go deep on a video game or two, uh, so I'm not sure when. Are you still reading a little hatred? By the way, I am. It's 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 just been slow going because, um, uh, you know, usually I'm listening to an audio book, but uh, so many of the activities I've been doing when I would normally be listening to stuff have been so like high engagement, like cooking and wrapping presents and stuff. It's just been podcasts because I mm-hmm. if I miss three minutes of a podcast, who gives a shit? But I don't want to, you know. You get yeah, it. Got it. Okay. No, I was just curious. But anyway, so uh, love to hear other other takes on how bad Rise of, uh, Rise of Skywalker is from others. Um, been interesting to see seeing the Internet's general response has been kind of enlightening. Uh, I've seen very few like outside just like it was awesome, you know, kind of those people. But like in places I frequent to have good people with good opinions, very few people seem to be that. Yeah, I'm, I think this movie was I'm good. I'm not seeing a lot of defenses of this one. No. I, I think, again, like it, it's just. Because I don't think you can defend it on the merits of its story or its choices for characters because it doesn't have a story. It doesn't do anything with its characters. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. Yep. Yep. So that's it. Oh, well. Goodbye, Star Wars. We hardly knew you. Goodbye forever. (laughs) All right, Greg. I'll see you next week. See you next week.